NWO, the number one wrestling organization in the world. Uh, WCW, WCW can be number two. two. I got no problem with that. We'll keep an it. even playing right. field here. Throw one of them Japanese companies in there. They can be three. We can know. buy one of those. Right. ECW, four. Who? I don't think so. Who? <laughs> you got three bucks on you? Right. Well, you want to play B? And the sweet thing is you can play bingo, too. <laughs> Ooh, big close oh, with line authority. in the corner. Uh-huh. Got all of that one. Come on, Lex. Come on, Lex. Get up and kick his. Kick Easy him. now. Easy now. That's right. I know. I know. Ted's watching. I may be the highest-ranking executive in WCW, but there are some rules we have to adhere to. He's got him hooked good and right, and he goes down. Got him down. And the referee Anderson is still on top of the ball game right there. Check his arm. Check his arm. He's going out. He is going out. Yes, he is. Randy Anderson's got it up for one. He's got it up for two. Here it comes. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. There's a man holding up the beat. Beating Hulk He's got it. That's unbelievable. Randy Piper. Piper Randy. Unbelievable. Brother. Piper Randy. And as long as the belt stays in the family, we're right. cool. Right. Take care of business. Take care of business. I can't have a chance to be the lead dog. Is this what you're telling me? Yeah, Boy, pretty, pretty much. much. Cool pretty down, much. Cool right. down, cool down, man. Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast going back in the time machine of December of 1996 for Volume 1 of this month's show. We have six volumes for you this month of what is sort of technically our 100th show. I say sort of technically on the basis that I don't know exactly which show it is because this is the last one we taped and the first one we're airing. And we do we count the prologue and we've got some UFC shows to go back in. At some point this month we, we passed 100 episodes, let's say that. I think it's Volume 4. Uh, volume number two is WWF looking at In Your House. Volume three is ECW looking at Holiday Owl. Volume four is UFC looking at UFC Ultimate Ultimate 1996. Volume five is your end of year review and volume six the all important end of year awards. Here for volume number one looking at WCW and Starcade. I'm being joined by Del Mio. Del Greening. Hi Bob, nice to be back. It is just the two-man booth this evening. Dell, kick us off with the news. Certainly. First up, Bob, quite a quiet month in WCW, but Roddy Piper returned to the company and defeated Hollywood Hogan cleanly. And what was billed as a match of the century at Starcade, Hogan passing it in a sleeper hold for the finish. The angle took place amidst the breakaway of the giant from the group whose attempted interference failed to get the job done for Hogan. One important detail that WCW never really mentioned at any great length was that the match was a non-title match. As for how they followed up with the angle on TV the next night, well, Hogan and Bischoff basically just pretended that never happened. More on that later in the show. The eventual finish of the main event was well executed, but was well, basically ruined by Hogan having to deal with a fan trying to invade the ring. Uh, the rest of Star K was otherwise a solid show, with Lex Luger defeating the Giant in the semi-main. There were t- uh, three title changes on the show, uh, with Ultimate Dr- Ultimo Dragon defeating Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight title, Eddie Guerrero winning the vacant United States title, and Akira Hokuto defeating Medusa to win the new WCW Women's title. Otherwise, there were wins for Jushin Liger, Jeff Jarrett, and the Outsiders. 
And talking of the outsiders, the NWO group has somewhat sizably grew. Um, theoretically, preparations for the, the NWO of Nitro are ongoing. Included in the group now are VK Wall Street, Flash Norton, Masahiro Chono and Big Bubba Rogers. For those keeping score, that's now 16 in total, with Nick Patrick also done in the black and white as well. The changes mean that next month's NWO pay-per-view will now be NWO versus WCW. As for all of this at the box office, it said over half of the merchandise sold at Starcade was indeed NWO based. Eric Bischoff muscled in on a WWF television deal in France to gain clearance for WCW, replacing WWF's presence on the channel next month. Said that was quite a big deal as well. Uh, not that it was the bastion for truth in the first place, but it said that a report on Mean Gene Oakland's hotline about Raven going to WCW was pure fabrication. Oakland's hotline has been struggling quite a bit. Uh, since he uh, since he returned, uh, Harlem Heat has said to be negotiating with the WWF for what that's worth. Uh, WCW wanted Bam Bam Bigelow to come in, but he didn't want to work with Kevin Nash again. And as for Randy Savage, it said that while he will probably return sooner rather than later, negotiations are quite far apart currently. I reminder quickly that we are on Patreon for five dollars a month. You can get access to shows like this on uh, earlier before they kind of get access to the general public. Uh, or you just want to say thank you for our contributions to your monthly podcast rotation. You can find out more information at patreon.com full slash wrestling 20 rs links are on our website and in the podcast description we finish with ratings for the month uh nitro dominated the ratings in december and even managed to stay strong on christmas week as royal ratings sagged on december the 2nd it drew a 3.4 to royals 2.3 december the night saw nitro draw a 3.3 to royals 2.3 on december 16th the night after in your house nitro did a 3.2 as royal did a 2.3 for the third straight week on december the 23rd nitro held firm with a 3.1 but royal fell to a 1.5 and we don't yet have anything for december the 30th arn anderson let's start from the top of this laundry list last week I'm upside down in the rack, getting broke in half. One week later, I'm enjoying that incredible rush of driving somebody's head through the mat. Nitro, you gotta love it. Now, Luger, first of all, I'll address one thing where you're concerned and I'm getting off of it. Two things I'll never use to describe you are quitter or coward. You're neither one. You've proven that. But the horsemen are refocusing. We're rededicating ourselves. If WCW needs leaders, we'll take that responsibility. Popper, we'll back your play. But we're only no greater than the sum of our parts. And Chris, one part's missing. Where's woman? Right now, woman is taking care of horseman business, as she always does, aren't Shopping. I don't know. If she was taking care of horseman business, she'd be right here at the Hare Arena because this is where horseman business is taking place. Make no mistake about it, Arn. Make no mistake about it. Woman is as much a horseman as all of us standing here. I know the horsemen are going through a transition period right now, plagued by injuries, but through thick and thin, we've kept our side of the bargain up. All right, Steve McMichael. Just a minute, Chris. And this ain't no time to be screaming and hollering, baby. All I can do is give you some advice from my own personal experience, baby. You know, not long ago, I was part of another team that should have been a dynasty. It didn't happen. Why? First, 
With a little victory comes a, a little ego. Guys start worrying about their own personal agenda. And then what happens? It what tore it all apart, baby. Dissension. Oh, no. Steve, stop it right there. I will tell you what dissension is. It's having to listen to Nancy every week in the dressing room talking about how great Chris is and how cute Chris is. And I'm sick and tired of her tacky, cheap perfume she sprays on herself because she says Chris loves it. And I tell you, this... This has started a long time ago for me. A little expose like here. I Ever since I was in elementary school, it started there when I was Little Miss Alabama. And then when I was in junior high and I was Miss Cinderella. And then on even into high school when I was the prom queen and the homecoming queen. And on to college when I was Miss Crimson Tide. And even on to later on in life as Mrs. Texas and Mrs. Illinois. I tell you what, if you don't straighten this out, it's going to tear everything up. And the way you deal with this is you have to rise above it. Arn Anderson, what do you make of What's your sense of all of this? Let me look at the world and everybody out there and put this in perspective. Because I am one of the head knockers. Chris Benoit, you were handpicked as a horseman. Nobody's more prouder of you than myself. You give me your word, woman's a horseman. You give me your word, we're going to put this back together. And nature boy, I know you're at home, baby. You're as big a part of this as you ever were. Then that's all I need. Put it there, pal. One other thing I want to mention. I have noticed, Chris Benoit, in all due respect, that woman has been going out to the ring, in my opinion, it seems, with you exclusively. Gene, woman is a horseman, and I'm a horseman. Well, sometimes things aren't always as they seem. Listen, let the world tell you out there. Adversity introduces a man to himself, and we'd all rather be a horseman than anything else we can think of. Woo! We open up the month on December the 2nd with Tony and Larry starting the countdown to Star K before the Steiners cut them off. Rick calls out Sting. Scott looks like a blue oyster bar regular. Glacier makes his return to TV, complete with entrance. Tony does his usual, getting Piper into each match. Glacier beating Hardbody Harrison quickly. Renegade is surprisingly popular as he and Joe Gomez go down to the amazing French Canadians and we hear from Arn Anderson, who talks about Roddy Piper. Well, what else? Scotty Riggs is now teamed with Robert Gibson from the Midnight Express. We see, we see Bagwell's turn from last month. They take on the faces of fear, with Barbarian getting the pin on Gibson, Riggs clearing house with a chair afterwards. We see a recap of Benoit and Sullivan from last month. Taskmaster then mauls someone, because why bother knowing his name, eh, Tony? Sullivan then talks about he and Benoit with not-so-subtle hints about Nancy. First, our main event sees Billy Kidman challenge Dean Malenko for his cruiserweight title, Malenko retaining with a cloverleaf. Our two kicks off with Bubba Rogers and Jeff Jarrett, Double J getting the win despite Jimmy Hart's best efforts from the outside. The Steiners take to the ring, calling out Sting, who appears in the gods. The NWO come out with com- and commandeer commentary, outsiders with Bischoff. The three run down Hogan's dominance over Vader, Flair, Savage, Piper's next. Squire Dave Taylor takes on Eddie Guerrero, a flog splash getting the win for Eddie to advance for the US title. Piper still gets his match-by-match plugs, but at least with insider jokes it's a bit better. 
I'm Anderson Plants, Jim Powers with a DDT for a quick win. Regal and a womanless Benoit then go at it in a US title tournament bracket. The crowd are very low and the commentary doesn't help for what on paper is a great match. Although as Regal gets busted open very early, the hard camera pounds right back and we get the entire contest shot from a distance and Benoit wins with a dragon suplex. Post-match, the Horsemen discuss their turmoils with Mean Gene. The public enemy then come out with Rocco Rock taking on Lex Luger. Mid-match, the NWO get a dig-in about buying ECW to play bingo. Crosswires with the enemy, Lex Luger get the win with the rack. Main event, Rick jumping Sting from back, but Sting gets in his reverse DDT. He gives Rick the bat, Stop, Scott stops him, and Sting punks out the NWO before leaving. We start December the 9th, hot in Charlotte with Piper taken to the ring with a live mic. He rips on the NWO saying he's a lone wolf and he never took a dive for Mr. T and he's not going to start now. Mike Enos is out to face uh, BK Wall Street. During the match, DBRC makes his way out with some paperwork. Wall Street wins with a fallaway slam and gets handed a contract. Anyone remember the happy days where Fonzie jumped the shark? We see footage from Saturday night with Benoit, Sullivan and Nancy's story laid right out. Woman Benoit is shown on camera drinking wine. Woman says it's the 90s and she can do what she wants. Benoit says his bishop just took Sullivan's queen. Checkmate. Hugh Morris and Renegade have a thankfully short outing. Morris with the moonsault for the win. Sullivan's out to call out Shivoni for playing the ratings game and showing the video. Gina interviews Carolina Panthers sacker Kevin Green. He gets fed some decent lines going against Hogan and the NWO. Jimmy Del Rey as Jimmy Graffiti looks more like ECW's Mikey Whipwreck than ever as he beats Dimalenko beats him to retain the Cruiserweight title. Sonny Arno drops his accent in an interview with Gene saying he's only in America for the social security. Meng and Barbarian beat the Nazis in the hour one main event. Hour two starts with Gene interviewing Ric Flair to a mass ovation. He brings out Piper to build their Starcade match. Flair is on top form. Piper says he's doing it for himself or he won't be able to live with himself. Chris Jericho extends his hot run with a missile dropkick win over Ricky Morton or Bobby Eaton if you listen to the brain. We get a couple of video packages, one on Luger, one on Sting. Sullivan drops some more names mentioning Arn Family as Anderson beats Craig Pittman. Deborah again irritates with regaling us with a pageant wins. Dallas Page and Jeff Jarrett get some good time. Dime winning after Scott Hall nails Double J with a razor's edge. Piper storms the ring out of Rick Steiner and Scott Norton. He calls out Hogan but gets Bischoff. He's pelted with trash and soda before he even gets in the ring. Piper batters up with a chair but the NWO run in. Green backs up Piper as we go off the air. Right, that'll cover us off halfway through the pay-per-view review of TV view for the month. We'll discuss on the TV action and then we'll review the second half of the TV prior to the pay-per-view before we get there. I know I've said this before, but I used to live at the Tuckasegee Days Inn on 77 before it was pretty. <laughs> I got a rap sheet longer than Highway 77. I've done more things wrong in my life. <laughs> and half of them right here, and you still cheer for me? <laughs> I think last time, last time you folks saw me, uh, I had a whole bunch of big guys, NWO and stuff, Pounding on my leg. 
want me to do? I'm going to tell you folks some stuff that nobody would tell you. <laughs> First of all, on December 29th, they want me to fight Hogan in Nashville, Tennessee. I must tell you, I got six kids. <laughs> Damn, man. I got to win this fight. <laughs> I got a choice. But you know... <laughs> you know... You know, when they say being ashamed of things, and I, I'd, like, I'd like you to hear this, when they say being ashamed of things, I, I have a couple of things in my career I, I am ashamed of. I had my... I think it was my seven-year-old kid. I'm not sure which one. Uh, anyway, he had saw the NWO written on my leg, and he said to me, he says, he says, Daddy, you know, Hulk Hogan's younger than you, and you only got one leg. Maybe you shouldn't go out and fight him, you know? <laughs> I guess I'm supposed to be ashamed because I ought, because as Hogan put it, I'm a gimp. Didn't seem to stop Bo Jackson. One time in my career, the most shameful thing that I ever done, and I'll never do it again, and you'll understand why in a second, is I boxed Mr. T in a boxing match at a Nassau Coliseum, and they wanted me to take a dive for him. And I said, I don't take dives and I don't do windows. So they made me, and who they are is somebody you would never guess, none of the obvious. They made me put my hands in the boxing gloves, and they made me curl up my fist, and then they made the rest of the boxing glove come around so I wouldn't hurt the poor little actor. <laughs> so now I've vented it. I owe you all a hundred dollars for the couch. It's out. It's the most shameful thing I've ever done. And I'll be damned if I'm taking a dive for anybody at any time at anywhere. Oh, there's a guy there. There's a guy there. Just a second. Can you get a shot of that gentleman said, this is NWO country? I have nothing. I have nothing against the NWO. I am not with the WCW. I am not with the NWO. I'm Roddy Piper. I will tell you this, though. Just point of interest. I saw a promo the NWO did, and they had six of them in a room, right? They're all dressed in leathers. They're drinking Dom Perignon, not one woman. So you keep putting that sign up, brother, because we know exactly where you're coming from. Now, if you'll forgive us, this is Starcade Month, it's December, and as that generally means is that we end up having a buttload of TV to go through before uh, we can get to the 
pay-per-view. So I kind of jumped in here halfway through our usual television round. It's some discussion about some of the stuff that's we've just mentioned and some of the stuff that you'll hear in the second half of the TV before we hit the pay-per-view. Uh, Del, as, as a man who's been watching Nitros, well, probably since they started, but certainly the last six or seven months, given that you've taken over my role writing the TV reports of those shows, um, would it be fair to say that, uh, that Nitro just seems to be... Oh, I, I want to speak more generally than that, but in terms of, you know, you read stories about Nitro tickets selling very quickly, Nitro crowds seem very hot, and it feels right now that if you look at Nitro at a far away enough distance, in fact, if you look at Nitro at the sort of distance they shot Chris Benoit versus Stephen Regal from this month, which was basically from mm-hmm. about the, 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 the 30th row back, um, Nitro's been pretty good. You can't, you can't really fault where they're going. I, I don't know whether it's just a case of this NWO angles running hot. I've not really watched a lot of WWF in the last six months. Well, as you say, we're focusing on WCW, but I don't know whether their product's that bad or WCW is that good. Um, but as you say, the, the biggest thing for me in that, that Benoit match is you couldn't really imagine going back, say, a year, 18 months, a couple of years ago, if you panned out in a WCW arena, it wouldn't look that full as what it did there. And that was definitely something to notice when it did pan out because of the, the bloodshed, just how full that arena was. You hear the stories about the merchandise and the WCW stuff is still selling. It's just this NWO stuff is just hand over fist and they've, they've just done a good job of managing everything, whether it's the, the switch to the longer TV times, the managing of the, the live events, they're, they're doing something right and they're just killing the WWF when you hear up the monthly your ratings review as well. Yeah, I, a bit, you know, I, I, I was going to say it, it would be hard to kind of put, put your kind of finger on where it was, but I think it is the NWO. I don't necessarily know that TV otherwise is any different, but I think it's just NWO is so different from anything we've seen, full stop, um, in the last. X number of years on wrestling television. It feels fresh, it feels new. And for good and for bad, and there's a lot of bad as you will have heard in the last six months, <laughs> and you'll hear some of it in the, in the course of the next couple of hours, but for, for both good and bad, it's, NWO has been a big pulse in that it feels fresh, and it feels like it's bringing this unpredictability to a show. Um, you know, I mean, in terms of the strength of television, I mean, there's there's enough weaknesses about it, but at the moment, I don't think it matters. Like, you know, a lot of having a lot of matches that, that don't really mean anything. Well, you know, I think to an extent, the live crowd treat it like a house show, and from a from a watching perspective, you just treat it as storyline development. And to an extent, you can just rely on rely on these you know, really good wrestlers to put on matches that are at least watchable, um, which, you know, if you are the kind of person that's flicking between the two shows, and I'm not convinced that many people are, um, but if you are the kind of person that is looking at both, Nitro right now is a far stronger proposition. I think that's very difficult to deny. Um, focusing on now on some of the stuff that's happened on TV, we could go through everything, but we, we, we'd be here a long, long time. Um, Focusing specifically on the, the build to, to Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper. Um, Del, would it be fair to say that Eric Bischoff is quite enjoying his new on-screen character? Dare I say, I think he's fantasy booked this many a time in his bathroom mirror with a hairbrush up and cutting promos and, and things. Um, he has to an extent, but to be fair, a lot of this is his doing as well, Bob. And I mean, fair play to him. He's out there, he's... 
he's never exactly been the most natural persona even going back to when he was working with Vern Gagne. Yeah, he's got a look about him for TV. Personally, I would say it's more likely in the home shopping network than it is with, with a live kind of wrestling programme. But he does have a place. And I mean, if you want to try and keep the new world order as, as bad guys, dare I say you're not really going to find much more of a, a despicable prick than Easy. He certainly fit into that role very, very quickly. Um, you know, as you say, it, it strikes as the kind of thing that he was probably booking in his own mind ever since the angle started. Um, and to an extent, that thing he said on TV last month about, you know, I woke up the, the day after being powerbombed <laughs> through the stage by Kevin Nash. Mm. There's probably a bit of truth in that. There's probably a bit of truth. That happened and he woke up the next day. I, I presume he could do more than wiggle his toes but he woke up the next day and went this is quite cool i need to be a part of this and i think there's there's a lot of negatives there's, there's reports that bischoff is just kind of you know believing in his own gimmick and all that kind of thing and that's not ideal from a, a quality control standpoint there's enough things we can go through on that front um but bischoff has has quickly become hogan's sidekick and almost like those two have become the main pairing now whereas the the outsiders are kind of off doing their own thing um but again, if you if you don't look at it hard enough, if you ignore a lot of the stuff we spoke about last month regarding the quality control, and you just look at the execution of where they are now in terms of Bischoff's presentation, and if you just infer that Bischoff's a guy in power, it doesn't half work. The only thing I would mention, kind of touching on what we spoke about last month, the... Your slash WCW contractual dispute at the minute to use a contractual term conflict of interest springs to mind whether that's something that can be managed by Bischoff particularly off screen but also bleeding on screen it is maybe something that's a bit more worrying longer term but by god it does sound like interesting TV even if it does bleed over What do you think of the build of Hogan and Piper? It's honestly, I think it's actually bigger than Flair and Hogan. Going back to a couple of years ago, I think they've threw about as much as they can at it. The, the adjectives or verbs, if you want to take it for, for big sexy, about match of the century and things like that. It's, it's not so humming paper that it sounds like in 1996 when you see a, a Hogan, a Hogan Piper match, I think match of the century, you're thinking like, I don't know, like a, a Sting versus a Sean or something that you've never seen, like a, I don't know, like a Hogan Brett, but as they are now with Brett, I don't know what a match of the century constitutes these days, but I wouldn't have certainly put Roddy Piper in that spot, but go back to what I said, I think this is the biggest, it's definitely the biggest build up they've had since. Hogan flair, but for me, I, I think they've actually threw a bit more at it. I don't know whether it's because there was the the preludes a uh, Hogan flair at WrestleMania eight and how that never happened in WWF. Whether it was expected to an extent when Hogan came in that that was the match, but for for a promotional point of view, you can't really fault them. No, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said for if they. They say something's a big deal enough times, eventually people are going to believe it in a weird kind of way. 
But they, you know, they, we got to the first week on Nitro in December and they were saying, this is the biggest match we've ever had. And you're like, oh God, they're, they're really kind of dialing this in. And I suppose to an extent, we're going to find out with the buy rate next month, whether, whether that was completely outlandish or just wildly outlandish. Um, but they, they just, they, they kept saying it, they kept talking it up. And I think the, the big difference between Hogan and Flair two years ago and Hogan and Piper now is probably just live television. Hogan and Flair took place entirely based on pre-take WCW Saturday nights and on, you know, a, one edition of the Clash of the Champions. Um, you know, not only has the, the live TV element changed things, but so has the, just the format. I mean, a lot of the stuff in, in this program was live in ring interviews and in ring confrontations, both before and after. Um, and it's just a different presentation and it feels a lot more vivid. It feels a lot more fluid and, exciting whereas before it was just flair a couple of the promos about hogan on saturday night hogan had never turn up hogan would appear on the clash and they do the odd saturday night skit or a pre-tape or something like that they're just talking about each other this is a lot more interactive and it's probably also like you said for it's taking place around a much hotter product wcw 1994 wasn't necessarily bad but it was quite flat um this is a lot more exciting and, you know, you go there and one, one consistent thing, and Dal, you can speak about this in the sec regarding, um, but just Nitro audiences in the last month or so have just got really, really hot to the point where they're just cheering anything. And that's not a, that's not a criticism. It's just an observation. You put all that in amongst the, uh, you know, Piper comes back and Piper is, Piper's a fascinating promo. And if you look at what he says, almost none of, often none of it makes sense. And yet Piper's such a good promo, he's just delivery on his own can pop it up. Um, you get a guy like that cutting a promo in front of crowds that want to cheer him. They've got an act in, in Hulk Hogan that, funnily enough, and we'll come to this at the pay-per-view, that it seems like there's a lot of pro-NWO but anti-Hulk Hogan fans in WCW, which is a weird dichotomy. Um, but you put all that in place and it just works. I think you, you hit the nail on the head, Bob, and it, it really does just revolve around the product. Um, as you say, a couple of years ago, I couldn't really tell you what was headline in WCW. I watched it with you. I probably commented on it a lot of the time, but a couple of years ago, before Hogan came in, there was a bit of Sting, a bit of Flair, a bit of Vader. Other than that, there wasn't really much going on that hadn't been going on for the last two, three years prior. Now, as much as there is a, a Dubai air, but a, a Piper coming in, same as it was a couple of years ago when he came in and headline with, with Jerry Lawler. It is just a much hotter product, whether that's a byproduct to live TV, whether that's a byproduct to this NWO angle that Hogan's involved in. It's it, it just a far hotter product. WCW's really done well to make the most out of what they've got. And as you say, with a Piper promo, I've never, never really been the biggest fan of Roddy Piper. I've always thought he's very overrated, but I mean, what's the old expression in the in the kingdom of the blind? The one-eyed man is king. He, he, he's not got a lot of competition for what he does, and it just puts him that level above. And going back to the the full attraction of what live TV is, it's the unexpected. It's you don't know what you're going to get with Roddy Piper. You don't know what you're going to get with WCW. But for the for the most part, as much as we do have things that are because about the product. You just don't know what's going to happen a lot of the time. And at the end of the day, that catches eyes and that, that draws buy rates and draws viewers. 
so we're on to the second discussion topic, which is the, the latest in the, the ongoing feud between Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan, um, that might well feature in, uh, in the end of year awards in some way, shape or form. I've got plans for it in one category at least. Um, Dale, I, I've been largely positive about what they've done, but kind of linking to the point that we made earlier regarding Eric Bischoff in terms of there's a lot of assumptions being made about their audience. Do you not think that this Benoit woman storyline would make a lot more sense to the audience if they had at any stage made any kind of reference or inference to the fact that woman, a.k.a. Nancy Sullivan, is the wife of Kevin Sullivan? It's a very, very interesting angle to me, Bob, but you're right. Um, Nancy doesn't really exist. Nancy's never really existed in the last kind of in the last four or five years, really, on national TV. Anyway, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen her at the side of, at the side of Kevin Sullivan, but they're kind of reliant on the fact that people need to know the the relationship between these two, and you can't you can't really blame them for kind of try to try to hold a veil over that because it, it never really had a relevance in TV, especially when you're trying to sell Sullivan. I mean, Kevin Sullivan's been the taskmaster now for, what, 18 months there or thereabouts? Kevin Sullivan isn't really an entity on screen. But then when you get something that comes out of as is as touchy a subject as it is, as I'm sure off screen, when you've got Benoit and Sullivan in the same locker room tying up a pair of boots, and then Nancy pops her head round the door. It, it, it's gonna, it's gonna leak out, and I think it has got a, a place on TV. As much as we've touched as part of this project before about real life situations, and especially when it kind of maybe relates to kids and things like that, especially when CW will it Dewey, Dewey Foley, and then the Sandman and things. It's, it's got a place in my opinion. I don't think anything should be taboo, but. As you say it, when it's such a, such a kind of solid foundation and angle, it's pretty much hearsay. It's, there's not a lot of people tuning in and kind of, or the, or the ones that used to turn on at 6.05 on a Saturday night and then they see it on a Monday night, maybe before the FAPA starts and they're seeing, oh, there's a this one and I'll turn this on. They're not a lot of casual fans will even know who Nancy is. They've maybe heard of this woman that they'll see her build as woman and it's like, well, who is she? And then you say, oh, she's with that kind of young guy that looks like a dynamite kid. What's that fat boy with the blonde hair moaning about? What's the story? And it's it, it's something that they should have maybe told or at least given more of a hint towards. But hopefully they can kind of try and try and hash that out a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of the one of the latest line of things where I'm like, well, that that they'll understand. And it's like, no, nah, you've. You've got to be tighter than this. Like, you know, if you want these storylines to come across, you can't just hope that everyone knows that, that woman is massive Kevin Sullivan. And more the point, like, why is she called woman? Like, I know why she is, but in the, in the current context of the storyline you're trying to tell, why not say it? Why not do something with that? Get that woman moniker off of her. I'm not sure that in, you know, 1997 next week, I'm not sure that that works anymore in, in this kind of, you know, I'm not sure that kind of, Monica translates with the kind of stories you're trying to tell. 
Um, but I, I think, even yeah. think that could come in as part of an angle, Bob. I mean, what's to stop Benoit calling her Nancy, but Sullivan's still hanging on to the fact that this is the woman that left him, and it's more a vitriolic kind of woman. He calls her that. That's maybe a way to get her out of the woman character. It's just gear that humanisation with Benoit. Yeah, um, I guess it's more the question, why do other people call a woman? Like, you know, in, in the context of anything, why would, why would Gene Oakland call her woman? Like, you know, I, I know to an extent Oakland's job is there to, to refer to people as they want to be referred, but that just seems a bit weird. Why would Tony Schiavone mm. call a woman when she's got a name? Particularly like, in this context, in the context of out of the storylines, it was okay. But in the context of Chris Benoit is, you know, forgive the pun, stealing Kevin Sullivan's woman, then why not refer to her as Nancy Sullivan? You're going to play it like that. All a bit weird. I thought the angle, I thought the stuff they shot was pretty good. And, um, Dale, I mean, you were around in the very early days when we were discussing the ECW stuff. Benoit's yeah. promos have come on such a long way. It's something I've specifically made a note to, and uh, I think it was last month. Um, it was, you get these quite often, especially now that Gene Oakland's back, when you'll get the, the horseman standing in the arms, and you've got me and Gene standing there interviewing them. I think it was last month that, that I've put even in the maybe even in your TV report that I think it was Chris Benoit's best ever live promo. And what, what I always go back to when we're talking about Benoit is the, the pre-tapes that we've done with Paul E in ECW when it's like the first signs of any, seemingly any character out of Benoit. And that, I imagine, was probably has to in a good couple of hours to try and get that in the can, especially the way they shot it. That just, that just had plan and wrote all over it. But these days, when he's, when he's able to cut a live promo, when you're seeing him in the pre-tapes with him and Nancy and the bottle of wine and kind of the slide digs at Sullivan. I mean, as many, as many faults as Kevin Sullivan has got, and in my eyes, personally, it is a fair few. You cannot fault his ability to cut a promo when he's invested in what he's talking about. He can talk with the best of them when he's got something to talk about. But Benoit's never really had that, had that side to him. Um, in many ways, and I'm sure probably the first one that would agree with me is Nancy. Sullivan and Benoit are pretty much opposites. As as much as as much as Sullivan's seen as the mind and the the kind of talking ability, he's not exactly an athletic Adonis. But then you look at Benoit, who is just a carbon copy, Tommy Billington. Dynamite Kid never cut many a good promo that I heard, but Benoit does seem to be developing that and I mean if you want to look at I mean, we're talking about coming on the end of year awards if you want to talk about most improved Benoit especially with regards to having a microphone in his hands got to be up there with the best of them Yeah and also to an extent uh, you know, I kind of said this when we were talking about his promos a couple of years ago I think the, the awkwardness to a point kind of fits the gimmick mm-hmm. um, Benoit kind of you know cutting these slightly reserved slightly considered promos fits the character he's trying to play. That's no bad thing. Um, I'll be interested to see where they're going. I don't know if there's many great matches out of this, but, you know, there was one earlier in the year that was pretty damn good. Um, and it's a feud that feels real enough. I think they need to flesh that, that out a bit more. I think they need to stop pretending that, you know, vast ways of their audience have made that connection. I think they need to stop doing that more generally. I'm not saying hit people over the head with it, but... 
there is a big difference to where they are now and where they probably should be. Like the thing with Bischoff and him being the the vice president, despite the fact he was supposed to just an announcer on Nitro for about a year, and then he joins the NWO, and all of a sudden he's the the, the president of WCW. That's a bit weird. You're just you know you're just watching WCW on screen. That doesn't feel right. Neither does this. That kind of attention to detail they're not quite getting right yet. But it's it's still good television. Um, moving on. The December second Nitro was uh, a bit more of a preview. I mean, they're, they're still they're talking about this NWO Monday Nitro hour that you know in theory was meant to you know in theory was meant to go live in the middle of December, and the, the word was was mm. well we're getting they're getting held up because they need to get the graphics together, which is which is some form of excuse one way or another. Um, if but, only they had uh, some kind of T-shirt that was selling reasonably well, where a graphic already emblazoned upon it, Bob. If only they had that. But um, we're still waiting for that. But on December the 2nd, we got kind of another preview of what an NWO hour might look like. Um, essentially just with Eric Bischoff hijacking commentary and being joined by uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Um, and now again, it comes back to the... And this is a little different, but it comes back to this assumption that your audience knows. Yeah. But Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were just dropping line <laughs> for about 45 minutes. You know, Scotty Steiner, we need to take him off the road and shrink him down a bit and talking yeah. about all these other things. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I don't know whether it's got any legs, but it was. I thought it was really good. It's honestly, Sam, I, I could easily listen to it for an hour. Um, I know the initial kind of pilot, if you will, um, for this NWR, I think it was September or October, I can't quite remember. But I think it was, I think it was the end of September. It was, it was there or thereabouts. And the inside jokes that you get for Nash and Hall, I, I just find them entertaining. I don't know whether it just plays to that kind of sheet readers. Or, I, I don't quite know. I think maybe just appeals to as much as the internet's growing. It is a still a very niche a niche part of their audience, especially when you're talking prime time TV. But for me, it's just entertaining. I'm talking about talking about Steiner and Juice. I'm talking about it's just I just find it funny. And I mean, I don't you don't need to be. Let me rephrase that. You shouldn't need to be a wrestling fan to watch wrestling. You shouldn't need to be. A football fan to watch football. There's there's certain things in any walk of life, especially in the entertainment business, where it picks up no matter what your level of investment is. It's like watching. I mean, I don't know. It's like watching Airplane. Nobody is going to sit and watch the movie Airplane one time and pick up every joke that's in it. But there's going to be certain things that hit, and it's not a case of certain things that's going to miss. It's just certain things will maybe go over your head. And it's it's not a case that they come out as bad points or anything. It's just some things you don't get, and it's going to be like that when you've got when you've got Scott Hall and Kevin Nash on a microphone live. There's going to be certain jokes that not everybody gets, but when you do get them, I think it just adds an investment into an audience. Where it's we're not just going to get we're not just going to get spoon fed what the establishment wants you to get. You're, you're going to pick up on things, and it's going to. It's going to be kind of water cooler moments when you're 
you're standing at the you're standing at the water cooler on the Tuesday morning. What did you hear what he said and all about that? And then especially when you're dripping through angles like like Nancy and Kevin and Chris Benoit, there's there's certain things that's naturally going to bleed over. And I mean that's that's as much I think if what the what the resurgence of WCW is all about is it's something that we've never really seen before, whether it's the tweaking of a curtain or it, it, it's just something that's different and it's something that's going to get people talking and I, I'm just a big fan of it. NWO is the number one promotion in the world, WCW is number two, Japan <laughs> is number three and number four might as well be ECW, you know, you can... At least you can play bingo. Yeah. At least you can play bingo. I mean... <laughs> We, we 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 do we do well. I say we wonder. I almost don't. But there is there is the thought of what you know. The, the question later on the show: Why why are the NWO popular, but why isn't Hulk Hogan? The answer is these two. Really, yeah. that's the and it's mainly Hall. It's mainly Hall. But as we saw at the end of his WWF run, fucked off Kevin Nash is also quite compelling. Oh, Kevin yeah. Nash with his tailor. And these two are the cool guys. I mean, forget Hogan, forget the others. I mean, there's nothing cool about IRS. Like, you know, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing cool about Marcus Bagwell. Like, you know, the, the cool factor from the NWO is these two. Um, and, and they've been given a platform and a character where they can go out there and largely say what they like. And, you know, I don't know whether it's productive. I don't know whether saying that Scott all needs to shrink, that Scott all, that Scott Stein needs to shrink down is necessarily all that beneficial to anybody. But it's quite fun to to sit back and listen to. Um, I, I don't get the feeling this is the plan for NWO Monday Nitro. I don't get the feeling Scott Hall's being moved into a now. So God help us if he is. Um, but yeah, like you know, it's it's just one of those things. The reason this angles work today is that these two. I would say, like you know, Hogan's the Hogan was the, the icing on the cake. But I don't know that this angle works if it's if it's Hulk Hogan, as we've said before. I don't know whether it works if it's Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Bret Hart. Um, that's as much as Nash is quite compelling. Scott Hall's got this cool factor on another level to anyone else in that group. Um, and that's what carries it. Um, and he's quite entertaining. And yeah, they've got that they're, they're working alongside Bischoff, and it's a you know. I, I wouldn't do this. This wouldn't be my format for Nitro. I don't know that this is. This wouldn't get real old real fast. As those guys just sit on commentary and just shoot down guys and just cut their knees off from underneath them. Um, as it is, though, as for 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 one off at the second half of the December the second Nitro, I'd, I'd call that a a big thumbs up from uh, from that regard. Um, and we finish uh, the, the the kind of pre-show discussion. Um, Finally, Del, if you look hard enough and if you forget certain things that happened at other points during the month, a couple of closing Nitro segments where the NWO seem to be in a fight. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, took quite a while, but, um, it is 1997 in a couple of days, Bob, but thankfully, it seems as if there's a bit of bite back at last on this. The biggest, the biggest grumble for this for me is always going to be the World War Three match. There's 54 other people and there's six NWO. Why did it not happen then? But at least it's, at least it's starting to happen. Whether it's mass brawls in the ring or whether it's the, whether it's the giant 
uh, kind of the plans that they've got for him in the future as we'll come on. At least something starting to happen because as entertaining as the NWO is, people aren't going to turn on the TV long term just to see the NWO. They're not just going to want to see them kicking everybody's ass. They're not just want to see them never get their comeuppance. There, there needs to be a good white hat for every good black hat. Nobody turned on Clint Eastwood 20 years ago just to see him kind of riding a horse. And that's it. You need somebody, you need somebody there to counteract it. And at least it's took them a while, but at least it's starting to show a bit of something coming about. Yeah, um, you know, we said it before, there needs to be some fight back. I don't know these, either of these are necessarily great segments. Um, it didn't escape me that the, the best part of the December 9th angle happened after the show went off the air. Now they didn't mm. at least replay it the next week, so it's not like we didn't see it. Um, but that was a concern. And the stuff on the 16th was a bit of a mess, as in it just kind of broke down and, you know, we had random guy. You know, they, they, they tried to add in Bubba and Scott Norton into the MWO. <laughs> you know, which isn't the best way yeah. of presenting that because in theory, Let's those two are with really the big names. Eh? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, that was well framed. Um. And then all the stuff that went down with Sting, but it's a step in the right direction. There's still got issues regarding framing the opposition, and I don't think it's helped. As much as it fit what they were trying to tell, I don't think it's helped that Roddy Piper is kind of running on a ballot that's saying, I'm not with WCW. Now, it does help explain on occasion why Piper's not being, being helped out. Um, that was probably something I didn't mention last month. Um, but that's not been great in that the biggest threat to the NWO apparently doesn't want anything to do with WCW either. It's like, mm. yeah, way to get over the cool guys. The cool guys are either the NWO or the guy opposing the NWO, but that's one guy and not the other 60, 70, 80 guys that fill the WCW roster. And then not to mention the slightly, yeah, this is a slightly odd place to end on, but Rey Mysterio comes on TV the following week, and they're discussing about Sting. And Mysterio comes to the announcer and says, no, Sting, he didn't turn, he didn't join the NWO. <laughs> Mm. And Mysterio says, I jumped on Sting's shoulders, and Sting did what any normal person would do in that situation. What, by throwing you to the mat? <laughs> and, and more the point, what, what is a normal reaction? If, if a guy, like, Roman Mysterio's not big, but if a guy from Mysterio jumps on your shoulders, what is a normal reaction? Mm. He's like, oh yeah, he just, he just threw me down. That's not good, Ray. Like, but more the point, in what, in what sense is Roman Mysterio leaping towards Sting? A, rational point of discussing someone's actions. Like he said, well, Sting throwing me to the mat was the perfect normal thing to do. Yeah, Ray, but you throwing yourself onto Sting is not normal. <laughs> that was a bit weird. And the best part of it was, well, they said, let's get the clip together. And then Tony Jerry said, roll the clip, and the clip was the wrong one. Mm. Um, also that. Um, but thoughts on any of that, Del, or anything else this month from Nitro before we get to well, what? Before the, the, the last show of the month, because there's been a lot to discuss. I mean, I think the, the normal kind of natural reaction for somebody the size of Rey Mysterio kind of jump on you would probably be to look for their mother, I would have thought. But um, it, it just kind of sums up WCW, really, where there's, where there's these things that hurt I mean, the, the explanation that comes in the back it is somewhat lacklustre at best. I mean, how many, how many weeks and how many 
kind of times do we hear Tony Schiavone throw it to a commercial? We'll follow this up after it. We never hear about it again. I mean, at least they're trying to explain things. Um, that kind of came a bit undone, as we spoke about in the news when you talk about the aftermath of Starcade and the reaction of the NWO. But at least with Mysterio, they tried to explain some. It wasn't very well done, but at least it's a step in the right direction. Other than that, I think we've covered the most. Obviously, the, the Benoit Sullivan Nancy stuff kind of would have done a bit better with a bit of a foundation behind it. Nitro is pretty much about the NWO. I thought it was good entertainment stuff to get Hall and Nash, you know, getting in their, getting their insider jokes on it. Um, other than that, I think we're pretty much well suited up for Starcade, Bob. How do you like that uh, gondola ride in mm-hmm. Venice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that Coliseum in Rome? It's fabulous. Where are we going next? Mon chéri, mm-hmm. ça va être magnifique. Ah, Paris. We're going to Paris. Oh. Kevin, doesn't life suck? <laughs> I might be coming home, and I might not be. Then again, I might be home for myself. <laughs> I'm not cold anymore. What's it like coming home at night to an empty house, Kevin? What's it like on those late night walks along the beach alone? Has it finally set in? Have you finally faced the truth? What's it feel like being a loser? What's it feel like losing the most important thing that you ever had? I'll tell you what, it sure feels great gaining it. Cheers. On to December the 16th with Bischoff and DBRC are out to remove Tony and Larry and introduce the NWO Monday Nitro. Psychosis and Steve Regal open up, the stars clash well, they get a solid 15 minutes with Regal retaining with the stretch. Bischoff slaughters an English accent to end this segment. Big Boy Rogers gets a quick win over Chava Guerrero Jr. with moves such as Bum Bump or something, here's hoping Mike Tanay joins the NWO. Can't be any worse than Wall Street. Wait, hold that thought as massive hero Chono has just joined. Chono takes on Jericho but loses via DQ for beating a tied up in the ropes Lionheart and breaching the referee's count. Arnison comes out to give, him, to give his thoughts on Sullivan and Benoit. Flair gets his two cents in. Deborah sours the soup with yet more mic time. 1996's strangest cameo of the year goes to another late contender as David Sammartino turns up to face Dean Malenko. Seeing spots getting called and some sloppiness aside, Malenko actually makes him look not bad before getting three to surprise at most as San Martino messes up the cover. Jerry Flynn makes his debut against Ice Train, but the highlight has to be Teddy Long going arse over tip coming out of the curtain. The match is awful as Flynn looks brand new and Train actually looks swollen, but Teddy Long's fall. Ice Train also hulked up before winning by submission, or well, bulked up I suppose. On the dark match, Sting package airs and Bobby Eaton's out to face Rey Mysterio Jr. Mysterio wins with a lovely springboard Hurricane Rana from a turnbuckle Bobby Eaton. 
We get another video from Women and Benoit talking about how they've been to Rome and they're going to Paris, asking how lonely Sullivan is. Anderson and Taskmaster brawl to start after raking the eye spot. A blind Anderson DDTs the official. Sullivan hangs him in the tree of row before Anderson grabs Sullivan's knob. The dungeon running out and Sullivan wins. Yes, it's all happened in the space of about two minutes. Steiners come out for Rick's match with Sting. We then wait five minutes for him to get down, but it's the bogus version. The real Sting then arrives, impales his doppelganger and leaves for the rafters. What a production meeting that must have been. Hogan's out, flanked by DBRC Vincent and Elizabeth, 1990 called. He talks for a few minutes about Piper and then does his spotlight pose. We get a non-title main with the Outsiders and the Face of Fear. Out comes Big Bubba and he turns on the faces. The Dungeon come out, the NWO, WCW, Security, the ring fills and we have a mass brawl. Flash Norton apparently turns towards the NWO and everyone stops to see who Sting sides with and that remains unclear as we go off the air. On December the 23rd, we get Guerrero and Benoit to start, still with no woman. DDP joins the desk and we get a cut in Sullivan promo saying Benoit fell into his trap. Eddie wins with a spinning frog splash to a surprisingly big reaction. Gene talks to the horseman and Arn about his Benoit and Sullivan situation. Deborah finally gets booze and Benoit defends woman. Mongo gets defensive and Flair saves the segment. Hogan comes out to a more reactive crowd saying Piper's afraid and does his pose down. ECW's 911 is back as his old Florida gimmick Tombstone. He faces Lex Luger and gets racked before the giant comes out to stare down a triumphant Lex. The outsiders cut off a torture rack to giant. Rey Mysterio Jr. beats Mr. JL and takes the mic after his win, defending the propaganda against Sting. Glacier comes out but seems to be losing his stroke as he no longer has lighting during his matches. He beats Buddy Lee and he gets his lights back for his celebration. The amazing French Canadians beat the public enemy with the help of a table. We then see Big Bubba officially joining the NWO. He faces former ally Conan with Nick Patrick refereeing. Patrick's lost his neck brace but have found some earnings. Bubba gets the win, give Patrick the assist. Tony tells us the first NWO pay-per-view has been signed for next year and will be called Sold Out, as in heart and soul doesn't really work, you have to explain it Tony Steve Regal and Dean Malenka have a very good TV match as the Cruiserweight Champion and the TV Champion go toe to toe the crowd aren't quite on board with it shockingly the 10 minute time limit ends with a time limit draw in case you can't tell, the front loading Nitro these days is our main event on the Go Home Show 6, Rick Steiner facing Jeff Jarrett Stings comes out in an NWO shirt, but it's version number 2 and we have a no contest Hogan comes out to wrap up the show but gets interrupted by bagpipes course out comes Eric Bischoff doing his best Rob Roy impression, covered in tart and running through his best Roddy Piper quotes. As Nick Patrick comes out, Bischoff lays down and Hogan gets a three, but out come a marching band and Piper arrives and the two start to go at it. We fade to black with a we fade to black with a looking at an in-ring brawl with security and the NWO. Hogan! Just when you thought you knew all the answers, I changed the questions. This is sad. It's not even a good imitation. You know, I did about 180 miles an hour down I-16 right here in Macon. When I heard you challenge me in front of all these people, and I came here to tell you one thing, that can't wait, cannot wait. Until the 29th. Hogan, 
I had no right to be in the ring with you at WrestleMania. And there's no way in the world that I can beat you. No. I know that. We are powerless. And I also know that I have a family. Six, count them, six kids. And a wrench I can barely afford. And if you do to me what you do to everybody, I'll never be able to earn another dollar to feed that family. So I'm going to make it easy on you, Hollywood. Get me a referee out here. We're going to do it right now. Right here. No more. No whoa, more. Whoa, Roddy Piper. No more talk. No, no, no. You forgot to do that cute little yeah. sissy thing with your finger whenever you talk. We asked you know, for a referee. We got Nick Patrick. to be a man's man. All right. We're going to do this right here, right now, for this crowd. Referee, are you ready? Are you ready? Wait a minute, Piper. Our sport has okay. reached a new low right, right now. Here, right now. Our sport has reached a new low. You know something for all you Piper fans? I'm not even calling this stuff. That is the end of Roddy Roddy Piper. Sorry. <laughs> and Hogan, I have always been a Hulkamaniac. You are the man. Who bought your house for you? You did. Who fed your kids? You did. Whose coattails did you hang on to? Yours. Yes. Who is the great? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh is right. You know, it's right in front of us. Would you? And we move on to WCW Starcade 1996. Dale, kick us off with the results. Certainly, Bob. The opener, we saw the Ultimo Dragon. He defeated Dean Malenko, and that was for the unification of the J-Crown from Ultimo Dragon and Dean Malenko's WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Ultimo Dragon won that and now holds all eight titles. Next up, we saw Akira Koto and Medusa in the final of the WCW's Women's Championship Tournament. Akira Hakuto won that and is now the new women's champion. Jushin Liger defeated Rey Mysterio Jr. And Jeff Jarrett beat Chris Benoit in a no-disqualification match. The tag titles, they were retained by the Outsiders, Nash and Hall, who defeated the Faces of Fear, which was Meng and the Barbarian. And Eddie Guerrero defeated Diamond Dallas Page. He won the vacant US title. Semi-main, Lex Luger defeated the Giant. And in the main event, we saw Roddy Piper defeat Hollywood Hogan, but that was a non-title match-up. What do you think of the show, Doug? Um You could probably sum it up with any other review of any other WCW pay-per-view in the last several months. Um, pretty decent undercard. The main event was a bit better than usual, but when it comes with the bill and the match of the century... It, it, it was pretty much a pay-per-view by WCW. Um, nothing spectacular to write home about. There's certainly been a lot worse. But especially as you see in Nitro the next night, not really a big, not really a big consequence either way. Pretty much anything. 
Yeah, I, I think you'd be right summing it up as just, you know, what's, what's kind of become your usual WCW pay-per-view and that their, their undercard now is nine out of ten made up by guys that are very good workers. Go back a couple of years and the undercard was just littered with guys that weren't interesting to watch. They've kind of ripped that out and, and started again to the point now where you can, pretty much back a WCW pay-per-view for the first two hours to be a decent watch. Yeah. Um, all of the matches on the show did feel like they were exactly the same length, which isn't a positive or a negative, which is an observation. But that was kind of what they were going for. 10, 12, 15-minute matches in the most part. Everything got time. Guys that can work, which always helps. Um, and then we got down the road, and, you know, so the, the format since August has been good undercard and then... Yikes, NWO start getting involved. This was better. Yeah. Um, not necessarily from a match quality perspective, but more just because the, the stories leading into them, I think, were a lot stronger. Uh, and the fact that this was like a lot of WCW stuff at the moment. This was just a show in front of a really hot crowd. Um, and we'll get to it with the main event. Like the, the match itself was pretty dire. Um, but because the crowd was so into it, it didn't really matter. Well, the crowd was just so into it. It's just like, this just feels like a big match. The match felt like it had consequences. And it was, as a result, it, it, it got through it. Um, but we shall see. Anyway, we start with the Ultimate Dragon. He's now called Ultimate Dragon because they presumably just realized I called him Ultimate Dragon. which was a bit stupid. Uh, with Sony Ono versus Dimalenko for the unification of the J Crown Championships and WCW Cruiserweight title. So those who don't remember, I think I mentioned it last month, the J Crown Championships are basically a load of different title belts. Um, and the WCW Cruiserweight title is also the WCW one. Uh, the winner of this would face the winner of Liger and Mysterio in the Tokyo Dome next month which was a pretty big giveaway of who was winning these matches, but um, we will find out. Uh, we start with your usual grand exchanges. Dragon starts working the leg, but it's not clear who's saying a leg lock. Malenko rolls through and locks in a head scissors on the ground and hits a belly to back. Could be a good crowd tonight. I've got in my notes. Dragon hits a snap suplex for a two. He then goes to something pivoting off of the top, but Malenko shoves him to the floor. Malenko follows him, but Dragon slams him on the mat. Dragon aborts a move through the ropes while going for a suicide dive and taking Malenko out. Malenko hits a, suicide, a sunset, sunset flip for a near fall. Fans are going with his offence, but Dragon remains in control with a neck breaker. Malenko hits another belly to back and both men are down, then a released German suplex. Malenko locks in a leg lock, then hits a drop kick to the back of uh, his knee and then another lock. Dragon misses a handspring back elbow. Malenko runs into a big boot in the corner, but hits a lovely scoop slam as Dragon charges at him. Dragon hits a power bomb, but Malenko kicks out, which gets a mild pop from the crowd. Malenko hits a to- jumping tombstone pile driver for a big pop, but Dragon barely kicks out. Malenko goes for a Texas cloverleaf, but Dragon blocks it. Malenko hits a double underhook power bomb, bridges a pin, but once again Dragon kicks out. Another big uh, reaction from the crowd. Malenko attempts to take Dragon to the floor but Dragon doesn't quite make it that may have been a screw up though Dragon hits an acai moonsault Malenko on the floor Dragon goes to the top, Malenko follows him up there Dragon knocks him up but misses a moonsault they're saying he landed on his knee I think we know where this is going Malenko locks in the cloverleaf as the crowd pops big but Malenko releases the hold as Ono distracts him Dragon almost gets it with a near a quick roll up 
Malenka hits a brain buster, another near fall. Malenka a bloody ex- impressive exchange. Malenka picks up Dragon in a wheelbarrow position, but Dragon reverses it with a double underhook. Bridging's German suplex for the pin. Double underhook, bridging German suplex. That sounds about right, Dale, doesn't it? Uh, fair play to you from the superlatives, Bob. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that, was the, uh, that was the Eric Bischoff school, just calling a lot of different words one uh, after another. Um, jumping by a ground kick. Um, yeah, he, he would have called it a kick. So, Del, what do you think of this match? The very first question, I think it's one of the first things you said in the build for it as well, is does anybody actually think Dean Malenko's going to win this? Um, the, the full kind of build up into this, I've, I've kind of liked and I've kind of not liked the, the full eight titles for one is a bit kind of shoddy to me, but I thought Dean Malenko is a brilliant wrestler. Is my biggest takeaway for this. I think he's a fantastic wrestler. Ultimo Dragon, I think, was just, if he wasn't built up in the minds of the WCW audience already, by God, Mike Tenay helped him. Um, Tenay, I think, is possibly one of the most undervalued, really, employees of any wrestling company in the world at the minute. I just thought he was brilliant in this. Um, there was a line on commentary about the the mindset of each guy get into this, and today's basically saying neither man's got a challenger mindset, and they've got nothing to lose, so it will be a bit more cautious. That's just that's just building investment into an audience. They want to try and sell this as real, and I mean, you don't need to go too far to kind of believe a Dino Enko match because he looked as if he was kicking the shit out of you. But for an opener, I thought it done a job well. It was a bit of a strange way to start. We kind of it wasn't entirely clear who the body was meant to be in this, but the kind of defunct bad guy in this is the dragon. Anyone, which isn't really a kind of stellar way to start off your show. But for a match, I mean, there was a couple of things that annoyed me about kind of kicking out your brain busters and the like. But when you get two guys like this in here, I think it's a pretty solid way to start. Yeah, it's weird. I was very low on, you know, both of these guys' respective matches last month. Um, but this was really, really good. This was, this was better than that. I mean, this was, uh, this was damn near a perfect wrestling match you're ever going to see in terms of execution. The crowd were into it. Storyline made sense. It was good to watch. Um, the action and the stuff they were doing was impressive, but not excessive. And we've had those problems before. Um, and I think the only criticism I have would be that they probably overdid it with the big near falls at the end. Yeah. And this, this, this problem with this kind of style is that you're going to pop people with these near falls for a while, but eventually the knock on effect, and Scorpio's had this problem before, and it's interesting, he's starting to have this problem now in WWF, as in it seems like it's something to do with him rather than the people booking him, is that the more you do these big moves and the more they don't finish matches, the more the moves just mean less. And that's an issue. And if you want to wrestle this impressive style. And the other big problem you've got, and it's the other side of it, is that the more you do these big moves and kick out of them, you end up with the ECW problem, which is eventually yes. you've got to end yeah. the match. You've got to finish the match with something. And unless you've got something proportionally batshit crazy to finish with, as was the top rope gut buster that Malenko did to Mysterio about five or six months ago, you can't pull that out of the hat every month. And all right, this was a very impressive finish. But I, I think that's the, amongst other things, the problem with the Cruiserweight division right now is they're doing stuff that's far more impressive than anything else on the show. 
and yet it's almost like they're being impacted on it more than anyone else's. The the easiest comparison I can make to it, and as much as I love him, as much as I've missed him when he was in Japan and Europe, can you remember maybe about eighteen months, about a year, eighteen months ago, there was that run of about six bloody months where Steve Regal was in time limit matches and the time limit drew it. And what we said at the time is this will it might have been a couple of years ago. I was thinking it was maybe back end of last year, but it might have been kind of maybe end of 94, start of 95. But the the payoff for that is when it eventually happens at 14.57, you get a three count and the crowd goes mad for it. But if it doesn't come, or even after it does come, it, it just builds a... It builds a dangerous precedent for me where it's like, even in this match, I mean, we're, what, 20 minutes into this show? And you're already thinking this is a bit much with the false finishes. This is the first match. No, I mean, how are you meant to go out and follow that? Whether it's Dean Malenko and his his rematch, or if it's Ultimo Dragon and his first defense, how do you follow it? And it's just, I don't like it. I don't like the way that it goes. But you cannot take away from the athleticism in it. And as a match to start, I thought it was very, very good. And this is a very, very weird criticism, um, and, and, and the, the answer to my question to a point is, well, you know, they are fighting themselves when they moved up the card, but this match shouldn't be this good in the opener, should it? It's either like, tone it down a bit, or, or if you're WCW, move them up the card. Like, this was, this was by far the best match on the show. Um, it was one of the best matches WCW had all year. Um, and it was just a somewhat random match opening the gate in uh, Starcade. Pretty much. And it, it, it's maybe, I mean, I said at the start, it's just another WCW pay-per-view when you get these matches in an undercard and then it just kind of peters out a wee bit. It's kind of the that gun way. Um, this could have been on first. It could have stunk the house. Is it likely when you've got an Ultimo Dragon and a Dean Malenko? No. But it's the it's the tightrope that you walk when you're booting a show. Do you pick on a match that's going to get the fans hot? It did. Do you start off with a match that's going to get the fans that hot that you're kind of going to struggle to follow it? That's the that's the danger. We move on next to Akira Hokuto with Sonny Ono and Kanzuki Sasaki versus Medusa for the WCW Women's Title. Hokuto launches Medusa across the ring by a hair twice. Hokuto gets on the second rope and does a neck submission, pulling Medusa off the floor. Medusa then does a Frankensteiner. Hokuto locks in an STF, and the France are doing the pro-USA stuff. Medusa hits a body slam. Hokuto locks in an armbar. Medusa hits a rolling DDT that looks a bit ugly. Hokuto hits a bridging German suplex for a near fall. Lee Marshall references that Hokuto and Suzaki are married. He says they share holes together. Dusty then says, I bet that's not all they share. Really loudly. <laughs> really loudly. Thanks, Dusty. We get a swinging DDT. The Medusa hits a powerbomb. She goes for a second but collapses under Hokuto's weight. Medusa hits a bridging suplex for a two. Nick Patrick is refereeing but nothing. Oh, no. Um... Uh, Nick Patrick's refereeing, but not, you know, that doesn't mean anything in the sake of the story. Uh, Ono hits Medusa with the American flag. Hokuto hits a brain buster for the three. No. Um, I don't, first thing, I don't know whether you read comic books, Bob. I don't really, but Hokuto's mask is so cool. When she comes in, it kind of looks like a female Bane out of Batman. 
I just think it's so cool. If you get a chance to look at it, just do. It's so cool. Um, I don't really see, kind of similar to you mentioned, I don't really see the point in you having that Patrick referee in matches that don't have any interest to the NWO as much as to hark back again to Mr Jeff Parker as much as I would like to think Medusa's got an influence in the NWO unfortunately she doesn't but I just don't think, Pat, I think Patrick at this point if where he is and he's kind of stuck he, well, they did blow that the following night but I guess from a perspective of trying to present plausibly mm. he's a referee it does make sense that he just referees some matches that don't have any consequence it does, but I, I just think he serves as a distraction, personally. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, other than that, it, it's pretty much your standard Americanised kind of female wrestling match. For the, there isn't really much to it. You said at the start about matches of similar length. This was noticeably the shortest of the night, and I think probably rightly so. But at the same time, it, it's just a kind of a standard layout of match to get the five, six minutes and that's pretty much it. Um, similar to what we spoke about with the way that Malenko and Dragon started off, starting off a show where you've got two bad foreign winners seems a bit strange. Um, but I mean, other than that, there wasn't really much else to write home about. No, um, the, the, the match was fine. Uh, as with a lot of the yeah, if we have Stuart Brooks on, as with a lot of the stuff we, we, we've done, I think there's there's always the thought that these two are capable of far, far more. Yeah. Um, but amongst other things, which is probably the point, it's not worth it. Um, you know, WCW need to frame... If this division is going to go anywhere, they need to frame this much more strongly than they are now. Having a, a random title tournament, some of it that takes place on Nitro, and then it just seems to disappear, presumably the Saturday night, um, doesn't really help. Um, when you're trying to talk about prestige. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, you know, I suspect it's going to be a thing in part. It's going to be a WCW title is going to be defended in Japan. Um, but if they, you know, they need some American women. I don't know if they exist, but they need some American women they can put in these kind of spots that can work to one degree or another because you can't keep doing Hokuto versus Medusa. And to a point, you can't just turn it into a Japanese women's division because that's not going to get over either because we know WCW can only just about cling on to storylines that they're invested in. God knows how quickly they give up on a on an all-Japanese women's division. Um, but still, you know, I suspect it's more just so that they can have a WCW women's title defended on how shows it in Japan and that kind of thing. Job done, I'd say. Nothing more than that. Anyway. Since you arrived at Halloween Havoc, you have made your intentions perfectly clear. You're standing on your own ground, not for World Championship Wrestling, but for Rowdy Roddy Piper, and Hogan has really done it this time. He has stirred up a hornet's nest. <laughs> I gotta tell you. Uh, Music City, USA. I sing like a bird, like a vulture! <laughs> and people telling me, oh, you're gonna kick Hogan's butt, that's gonna be no problem. Are you kidding? He's six foot seven, 270 pounds! I'm a midget! Sky Lolo, me, right there, baby! He says, with Hogan, gonna be a walk in the park! <laughs> 
Jurassic Park, honey. Have you seen this guy? Have you seen what he's thinking? I have. I don't listen to him. I just look at him. I watch that big dumb mug. He's perfectly suntanned. I watched him come in in the limousine, the long Volkswagen, and here he comes, and here it is, the match of the icons. Not wound up yet, but I'm getting there. There's plenty, folks, of icons. Thing that's been kind of P.O. on me is like, we are the only icons ever in the whole history of the sport of professional wrestling. There's a little man out there that bought all from 77 to the rest of the time was in I Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. There's the guy Strangler Lewis. Couple of folks heard of him. Guy George Gorgeous George. Couple of folks heard of him. Then there's this big mountain, Hogan. You know, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be something. I said, I want to be something. Give me an instrument. They gave me the bagpipes and a dress. I'm the one that can call a dress. You know why? Because I'm tough enough to. I went with that. What am I going to do? A piano? Hard to carry in a parade, brother. Hard to carry. My whole life has been hard. Six kids I've had to feed. My whole life has been hard. I left home when I was 13. You think I'm going to give up? Not a chance. Of course, it's the season tidings. There was tidings in reverse. And they say, it's better to give than receive. No! This will not be a problem. You see, if you take Hogan's Eagle, did I say Hogan's? Hogan's Eagle, what's your name? Roseanne Bars, Brock Cup, put it on his head. It's a yarmulke. See you later. Wait a minute, Roddy, don't go away. I've got to ask you this in closing. What about the hip? Mean Gene is backstage with Roddy Piper. Piper says people are saying he's going to kick Hogan's butt. Have you seen him? He's six foot seven. I'm a midget. This is great, this promo. Piper says he's got given a bagpipe. It's hard to carry a piano in a parade. As Dave Meltzer says in his review, the promo made almost no sense, but in my opinion, came across <laughs> really, really well. Ho- Oakland finishes by asking about his hip, and Piper just hops off the set. Um, Dell, nonsensical, but I, I, I thought, again, it's, as we kind of said earlier, it's Piper's delivery is so good, it doesn't really matter. It actually, it started annoying me quite early on, and God love him, he built it superbly. Um, I, it, it was more the breathing than anything else when you get him cutting a promo, you know, that kind of annoys me. But his passion was just dripping by the end of it, when you, just the way that he builds, you don't get that much anymore. You used to get it kind of, I'd say maybe late 80s it kind of started petering out when it turned more for wrestlers to athletes. You kind of lost the art of the promo and the build as well. It's bit, I mean, I'm just, I kind of talk about it every month about how much I love Arn Anderson and how much I love Jake Roberts. People like this get it. Piper gets it. And it, it did. It, it just felt so passionate and it just came right through the TV. Yeah. Um you know, like, you, you almost, uh, the delivery is so vociferous, you kind of ignore what he's saying. You just hear the occasion. I think that's how yeah. he gets away with just the nonsense that he talks about. Is it's, if you say it loud enough, they will listen. As you, you, you hear the say. occasional phrase, 
and then it's kind of up to you, the viewer, to kind of string it all together into something coherent. I mean, I'm not sure he managed it. Um, mm. But at this stage, it's like, you know, to an extent, the whole thing of Piper and Hogan is one of the strengths of the build has been that it has been largely all talking and basically occasional beatdown. Hasn't really been much, that much physicality, or certainly neither of them wrestled. There's nothing more for Piper to say. So, in many ways, rather than him just regurgitate what we already heard, him just spouting nonsense was kind of quite refreshing. Um, and it, it, it just about worked, I thought. Um, we were next to Jushin Thunder Liger versus Rey Mysterio, with the winner will face the Ultimo, Ultimo Dragon in Tokyo Dome next month. Liger starts working Mysterio's arms. Mysterio excellently flips out of the submission into a kick of sorts. Liger hits a lovely stalling suplex, then fires Mysterio off of the ropes and launches him in the air. Mysterio heads his Liger to the outside, then attempts to suplex him in the ring, but Liger counters and suplexes him to the floor. Liger follows that with a powerbomb on the floor. Liger hits a lovely tilt and world backbreaker. Mysterio is great for these kind of moves. He's so small, just looks effortless. Liger locks in a surfboard. Mysterio then hits a released German suplex. He comes off the top with a big crossbody, but gets meets his maker as Liger hits a lovely drop kick. Liger hits a rolling kick to Mysterio in the corner. Mysterio hits a lovely moonsault to the outside. Liger was not remotely in position to capture him, but just about managed to save it. Mysterio beats a 10 count, but seems to tell the ref to stop as he wants the match to continue. Obviously, because Liger was, wasn't going to beat it. Liger hangs into the ring. Mysterio hits a guillotine leg drop, but Liger gets his foot on the ropes. Liger hits a diving headbutt from the top, but Mysterio kicks out. Mysterio goes for a hurricane runner from the top, but they either fuck it up or Liger blocks it. Liger hits a kick, then a Liger bomb, and that's enough to win the match. Um, Dale, it, it, it comes back to something I think we said last month, that um, Mysterio is losing a game to guys that are probably a bit more part-time than he is in WCW. Um, but when he's not dominating matches, Mysterio seems to be involved in really, really excellent matches. Yes. Um, I think the first thing I would need to say, Ray Mysterio is so it's superstar in waiting. Whether it happens, whether it doesn't, he's got such an ability to be such a crossover star for South America. Well, I suppose it's the Central Americas, really, but South America and North America, he could be the guy if he gets the chance to be. Um, I genuinely didn't know about the brain tumour with Jushin Liger, which, again, is Mike Tanay, who even gets ripped during this match for being good, which I don't really like, but the two, you know what you're getting when you get Jushin Liger in the match, you know what you're getting when you get Rey Mysterio in a match, they didn't disappoint, I thought they covered up the count fuck up quite well um, the only thing, again I mean, I, you can't really call Jushin Liger a bad guy, but it's another heel kind of winning here, I mean despite that though I mean, one of them, they done it it might have been, was it last month, maybe a couple of months ago, they'd done a similar spot with Jericho and Alex Wright, where I, I genuinely love it as a spot in a match where the good guy has the opportunity to win by nefarious means. I just think that's such a good a good thing in wrestling, especially when you get somebody the size of Mysterio. Um But I mean, I, other than that, I, I just can't... I know you've sometimes got reservations about these kind of matches, Bob and Wright was so a lot of the time, but when you get these kind of two guys in a match, I just, I really find myself struggling to, struggling to have a bad word about it. I just, they do what they do as much as there was a couple of kind of 
mishappenings during it. I just thought it was a decent match, and I, I just love watching these two. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know whether I just woke up on a different side of the bed watching this versus when I watched um, World War Three. Um, but these these two cruiserweight matches were significantly better than the ones last month. Um, in the, well, in the sense, you know, I criticism of, of Malenko and. Um, Psychosis last month was just that the crowd were dead and they didn't change anything up about it. Mm. Now, admittedly, I, I felt, but in the Malenko instance, they just, him and Dragon just wrestled a far better match. Um, but also the crowd really hot, which helps is that they're just reacting to everything. Uh, and there's a lot to react to. And it kind of just makes up for the fact that, you know, this match doesn't really have any context. It's just Mysterio, small guy. Mysterio's value right now is that he's doing stuff that most other people can't do. Yeah. Um, I don't get the feeling Liger's much of a name to this kind of audience, but he's enough of a name he can work a, a strong enough style. Um, and it just works. Uh, yeah, fair play to both guys involved. This was another really good match. Um, as for the presentation, I, I think in in their own mind, I get the feeling they just feel like the cruiserweights are kind of expendable. And the goal the by the end of this show was to have... Um, you know, a match up for the Tokyo Dome involving Dragon and Liger, and so that's just involved the two quote unquote hometown guys losing. But it's a presentation thing they need to tighten up on. Um, you know, Mysterio is great, and I've said it before. Mysterio's the the better matches Mysterio's in are the ones where he's not leading the pace. Um, but he's going to win some of these. He, you know, the, the the bigger concern is that matches Mysterio is winning. He's having matches that don't really make sense, and I don't know whether that's going to stick out. Um, but we will see. We were next to Chris Benoit with Woman versus Jeff Jarrett. We're in Jarrett country, but Benoit and Woman get a great reaction. Jarrett gets a decent reaction as well. Benoit shoves Jarrett away, then mouse off. We get a fast exchange of arm drags and the head scissors. Benoit slaps Jarrett, which pisses him off. Benoit poses to the crowd, but Jarrett takes advantage and literally walks all over Benoit. Spills to the outside, Woman grabs a hold of Jarrett's arm and Benoit pounces off the distraction. We go to the second rope. Benoit goes for a superplex, but Jarrett shoves him off. Woman has started howling again. Yikes. Jarrett goes for a running attack, but Woman pulls Benoit out of harm's way by the ropes. Benoit goes for a long sleeper hole, using the ropes when the ref isn't looking. Jarrett rallies and hits a belly to back. He comes off the second rope, but Benoit gets a boot up. They exchange in the corner. Jarrett rallies with some shot and then a lovely drop kick. Jarrett drops Benoit over the top with a reverse suplex. He then locks in the figure four, but Woman gets involved. It's no disqualification, so that's not a problem. Out walks out Arn Anderson, who walks right past Benoit and Woman and seemingly to go into Jarrett's corner. Conan and Humorous come out after Woman. Humorous? Humorous? I guess that's a joke. Uh, Woman kicks Morris in the nuts. Out comes Kevin Sullivan. This whole thing has been shot dreadfully. The cameras are all over the shop here. Anyway, on DDT's Jeff on the outside. Taskmaster climbs in the ring and hits Benoit over the head with a woman wooden chair, which just disintegrates. Arn rolls Jarrett's limp body back into the ring. But as Jarrett rolls onto his back, his arm falls over Benoit's chest. And the ref counts the three. And Jarrett wins. Um, they'll save the overbooked mess at the end. Um, mm. uh, another instance where Jeff Jarrett against a really fucking great wrestler can have a good match. Pretty much. Um, I mean, we've seen it before. I'm sure we'll see it many times over the next several years with Jeff, but he is capable. It's just he's... I, I, it's something I think the two of us could sit here with a pen and paper and never really get to the bottom line on it. Is 
he's got something that he's missing at. And I think that's probably the best way you can sum up Jeff Jarrett, no matter what he's doing. Um, the first thing is just fuck wrestling Benoit because the man is relentless. Um, I don't know how people do I don't know whether you see a booting sheet backstage and it's like, oh, Benoit, yes, I'll be in a good match. Or if it's Benoit, I'm going to need an ice bath. Um, he's just... A week off. Or a month. Um, he's just fucking relentless. I mean, it is nice to see women back in TV. We've had the, the couple of pre-shots with her, um, pre-tape, sorry, with her. It's just nice to see her back in TV, kind of screaming aside. Um, Benoit, he's just one of these guys that you, you kind of see them in each federation. You've got, you've got Austin in the WWF, you've got Taz in ECW, you've got Benoit in WCW for, you can just see them being future champions. It's just whether they can maintain what they've got at this point until that point, if and when it comes. Um, but as you say, the, the bit at the end, I thought you'd done fantastically well trying to sum up what happened. I mean, we've got Arm, who seemingly turns on Benoit. You've got women apparently being kidnapped. And there's the chair shot, and then blaming women. It's, there was so much at the end, but for... For a Benoit match, similar if we had with Liger and Mysterio, I struggle to kind of see a Chris Benoit match and kind of have too much bad things to say about it. Jeff Jarrett been in there, as you say, he kind of just seems to find his cell in these places where he's, he's kind of going up against seemingly better people, but he does bring something. Um, but I mean, for me, it was just the, the end there was just a bit too much for me. I'll just rattle through my. Post-match notes go despite those. Uh, Oakland attempts to get an interview with Arn, doesn't get anything. Jarrett, nothing. Babara, woman, nothing. Uh, but randomly, Steve McMichael and Deborah walk out. Mongo says that woman is Benoit distracted. Deborah says that Jarrett is horse material. She then says, that girl has been rode hard and put up with. Deborah is an absolute <laughs> riot on promo. Should be said. Um, I'll cover you going to that in a bit. Uh, the match up was fine, not exceptional, but Benoit's good enough and Jarrett's capable enough where it was never going to be bad. In fact, it's quite good. Um, you know, it's just, it's just not for the first time tonight. Then once the, once the action starts to unravel, I don't know whether it's just because it happens. I don't know whether it, you know, could you spot a match with the fuck finish before the fuck finish happens? But it does often feel like matches where you know there's going to be something that happens. The matches don't really lead anywhere. Um, that'd be an interesting thing to try and work out whether there's anything to that. Um, but this match, you know, once, once Arm walked out, something's going to happen. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 my succinctness in that, uh, in that review was more just having written it up retrospectively. I didn't, wasn't able to capture all that at the time. But they basically missed the, they missed most of the DDT, almost all of the chair shot, and then got in the wrong position for a couple of the other things as well. I think it was just a case of WCW attempted far too much with this finish. I'm not really sure any of it worked, um, but I guess it, it furthered the ongoing storyline with the, uh, with the horseman. Dale, your thoughts on the post-match stuff? If you excuse the pun, considering that we're talking about one of the four horsemen, it was kind of like the old CNR. A camel is a horse designed by a committee was the end of this match where it's like everybody kind of got their idea in, but none of them really came to fruition. Um, part of that was directorially, you must think, um, but uh, you just, you can only throw so many bells and whistles at a finish when it just ends up becoming a cluster, which I think this did, but 
not to take away from the match that happened before it is two well, one very good worker and one decent worker. They've done, they done pretty good. Uh, while I remember it, because we haven't discussed it at any other point, um, it, you know, we, we've been spared the last few months of Michael in ring, which does kind of make him a bit surplus of requirements. Uh, but him, and particularly Deborah, are, are <laughs> really good on promos. I fucking hate them. But I suppose that just kind of shows how good a job they're doing. Um, she has just the, the kind of stereotypical prom queen but she went for the prom queen to the county queen to the state queen and she's not shy in telling you and then when you've just got when you've got McMichael there as back off it just makes you hate them that bit more and especially when you've got somebody like Arne Anderson I love Ben Wise one of the best in the world at the minute but then when they're up against these two it's just oh, you, you can't help but just squeeze the remote control in your hand when you're watching this Next up, it's the outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall with six versus the face of fear, Mank and the Barbarian with Jimmy Hart for the WCW Tag Team titles. They show a sign in the crowd that says Hogan and the NWO are just rejects from the WWF. And when I say show it, I, I mean literally they're just front and centre in the crowd. They pick that out. I, I don't know why. Uh, Nick Patrick is officiating. I may not have in this one. We start off with Mang and Hall. Main floors Hall with a clothesline, then leathers him with some chops in the corner. Hall gets a boot up, then hits a bulldog from the second rope. We switch to Nash and the Barbarian. The faces double team Nash and Hall. Uh, Nash and Hall eventually steps in. Nash forgets that you should never headbutt a Simone, or indeed two together. Barbarian goes for a second rope elbow, but Nash moves and drops Barb face first onto the top turnbuckle. Hall hits some shots from the apron before tagging in. Barbarian hits a big ass big boot. Patrick spends time being distracted by Hart. Even Bobby Heenan is calling out his slow counting. Mank hits a pile driver onto Hall, but Hall kicks out. A power bomb. A face of fear. Keep being slow to the count. Nick Patrick correctly identifies the face. He's having the wrong man going for the cover. Barbarian takes a shot from Nash and gets leveled by Hall. Six runs off Jimmy Hart. Barbarian locks in a submission. Hall is down for ages, but eventually rallies out of the hole before hitting a belly to back. Nash hits a big boot, but Meng breaks it up with a running elbow drop. Barbarian goes for a big boot, misses, misses, misses. Nash hits a jackknife, and the outsiders retain cleanly. No. Um, I, I really like a good Western, Bob. And I don't know whether it's that in me that likes a, a very clear white hat and a very clear black hat. So far tonight, I have really struggled in telling who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. This was no different. Whether I don't know whether it's the the NWO thing where they're kind of on paper bad guys, but they're selling more t-shirts than probably anybody else in the country at the minute. Um, Kevin Nash is possibly. I mean, there's the false said you hang in WWF at this point in time, but he's possibly the most popular, least talented person. In wrestling, um, he's probably up there with Sid fighting for that title. I but, don't know that he's in there with Sid. Sid, Sid is on a whole other level. <laughs> Sid, Sid's a professional, but Nash is a Nash is a, a very competent amateur, I would say. Um, but I mean, it's just a kind of strange, a strange environment to be having a match with when you've got that. I mean, I don't know whether it's just the crowd. Or, I mean, I would never have really thought it. Kind of Nashville is one of these kind of crowds where it's like you kind of boo the good guys and 
see the bad guys, but it's just been a kind of strange dichotomy all night, whether it's kind of Malenko is the American, so he's the goodie, but then he's kind of stone cold, no pun intended, with the character, is he a good guy or a bad guy? The, the outsiders are the antithesis of that. But for for a kind of a match with pretty much four big horses in it, wasn't it that bad? It was a pretty decent big man match. I mean, we've seen the outsiders have a lot worse. Um, the, the obvious ones at Hog Wild, but it was a decent enough match. There wasn't really a lot of substance, though. I mean, it did have a title involved, which is kind of get that going for it, but as four big guys in a big fight, when you get all the way to a Haku and an Ash in there, I, I didn't have any issues with it. As I say, there was little substance, but it was pretty decent overall. Yeah, I mean, uh, to an extent, I wonder whether the, the thing that hurt this was probably the context. Like, it's not like there's been much build to this. I know they had that that match on Nitro that led to the brawl that we discussed, um, but it's not like it's it's easy to work out what these teams' beefs are with each other. And you know, I know they're feuding over the titles, but it just means the match is a match, and in a weird kind of way, like when you've got the face of fear that in some kind of ways are similar to the outsiders and they are heels, but you know, the outsiders are playing good guys. The face of fear are wrestling in a good guy style. Don't mesh in the sense of the context around the match. The match was fine. It wasn't exceptional, but just a match. I didn't really feel like it was going anywhere. Um, even though it did end cleanly, um, but yeah, I, I guess to an extent, maybe it didn't feel like it was going anywhere because you were waiting for the fuck finish that never came, mm. um, which is a, a weird way of uh, being critical about something. But yeah, it was fine. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect. And again, I guess the presence of Nick Patrick, you're kind of thinking, well, when's the finish going to come from? Weird to criticise it when it doesn't come at all. Um, but not quite enough in it for me. The action was good. I mean, Mangle laying a shot hard and Barbarian's not far behind. I think that, to an extent, brings out the best in the other two. I'd just like to see these two guard it with a bit more on it. Um, anyway, it, it might have stood out on a different show. It probably, you know, we, we, we saw a similar match with the Nasty Boys last month stand out more on a, on a flatter show. This wasn't that. Um, so in a sense, maybe that was working against it. We joined Ted DiBiase leading an NWO interview backstage with Elizabeth Vincent and Hollywood Hogan. Hogan said he saw one of Piper's kids begging for a quarter and he says that you don't leave your kids behind. Today is Hollywood Day. Piper, what you gonna do? Next up is Don Dallas Page versus Eddie Guerrero for the WCW United States title. A hot start with Eddie hitting an arm, gra- arm drag as Page regroups. We head to the outside and Page gets whipped into the guardrail. Page goes and punches on the apron, but Guerrero throws him over. Page hits a runs a running attack. Guerrero pulls the ref out of the way, ducks, and Page tumbles to the floor. Guerrero hits the dive onto Page onto the floor. Page hits a pile driver, then a suplex. The crowd are a bit quieter than you might expect. Page goes through an abdominal stretch using the ropes when the ref isn't looking. Guerrero hits a small package for a two. Page goes for the back for the abdominal stretch. The ref keeps not seeing Page grabbing the ropes or catching him at him at the fourth attempt. Guerrero attempts a schoolboy for a two. Page gets up and lends Guerrero with a clothesline. Page charges into the corner, but Guerrero moves and Page hits the ring post with his shoulder. Guerrero hits a lovely uppercut, then a suplex and a belly to back. He goes to the top, goes for a frog splash. Page moves out of the way, but Guerrero's knees hit Page's back. Page gets a two. 
Page hits a gust buster, gut buster, goes to the top, Guerrero crotches him, Guerrero follows him up, then gets thrown off. Page comes off the top, Guerrero catches him in an atomic drop for a nice near fall, then a backslide of two. Page goes for a diamond cutter, a reversal, black slide from Guerrero for a two. Page hits a lovely spinning powerbomb for a two. Here comes Hall, Nash and Six. Hall hits Page with a razor's edge. Eddie hits a frog splash and wins the match. After the match, Guerrero gets three on one by the outsiders and six. Predictably, of course, nobody comes out to help. Del. Um, last month, I've already spoken about it this month, but last one, 54, 55 men couldn't beat the NWO. Eddie Guerrero did for about two minutes. He's sell. Um, he's a good wrestler. I think Paige is so improved. Um, I, I don't think I would like to see him in there with, with somebody that can improvise. If you put Paige in with like a Luger or a Giant, I think it would kind of undo the stuff that's been done in the last several months. But, I mean, they were a decent enough pairing. You'd, you'd the bit at the end again, but it's like, what's, what's the outcome of this? Um, it was to kind of, Counteract what I've said earlier on, fair point to him, it was the clearest good guy and bad guy yet. But um, Eddie's better than this for me. Uh, I'd like to see him more in a, a position where it's involving kind of imports, whether it's J Crowns or just going up against a Jushin Liger. I think it would be a better suit for him, but it's somebody that's reliable to put in there with, with the kind of the, the old rookie with, with Paige. He's a very solid hand to do it. Um, I say that the only thing that annoyed me was just that bit at the end where it's twice Eddie beating the NWO when apparently 50 odd men couldn't do it last month. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I think this, this feels like a show of strange criticisms. This was a good match and yet I feel like I need to be negative about it. Mm. Um, no, it was fine. Uh, the action was good. Uh, it probably should have meant more for the United States title, but it doesn't help that it's for a title that just has been on ice for, well, certainly since Flair was on the shelf, but probably before that. I mean, Flair was, Flair was an odd guy to carry the title as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, these two are both good enough. They've probably had a better match this year. In fact, I'm sure they've had a better match. Um, but Guerrero is easily good enough to be able to have a really good match. And Paige is improved enough where you put him in this kind of situation and the action's fine. Just liked a bit of drama, bit flat. Um, again, on another show, it would have stood out more on a show like this. It's just like, oh, okay, another match. You know, WCW's big problem right now is the problem across the board. The titles don't mean a lot. And that goes for pretty much all of them. Um, it's going to be much more clear in the main event, but it kind of feels like that across the board. It probably doesn't help. They've probably got one or two too many also. Um, but, yeah, as for the bit at the end, um, yeah, I, you know, we've had enough problems with the NWO winning battles when they're outnumbered and when they're not. You know, I wouldn't necessarily complain when they don't want. Um, I guess that was part of the wider story that maybe the cracks are starting to appear. Anyway. Whatever. Move on. Two, the Giant versus Lex Luger. After a lot of stalling, they finally lock up. Luger, at this point, by long distance, is the most overvalued face in WCW. Um, we'd have to discount Piper, but, you know, I think we can, fair enough. Uh, this lockup is still going as Luger slowly drives Giant across the ring until Giant shoves him away. Luger rallies with some forearm shots. Giant shoves him away. Luger comes back. Giant shoves him away. Luger comes back. Giant shoves him away again. This time, Giant charges out of the corner and runs Luger over. 
With Luger prone near the ropes, Giant scuttles towards him and boots him through the middle rope. Giant totally in control with his big boot holes in the corner. Luger finally rallies, goes for a body slam but collapses under Giant's weight. Giant falls into a cover before hitting a standing elbow. Giant runs at Luger in the corner. Luger moves and Giant ends up draped over the turnbuckle. Luger doesn't go for the rack, but Giant slides out and regains control. Heenan quite rightly points out that given the punishment Luger has taken, he may not want to go for the halt so quickly. Giant goes for a bizarre dropkick attempt and then ends up corkscrewing down to the mat as he collides with the ropes. That looks a bit ugly. Luger rallies. Bizarrely, the ref is thrown... Shown... I'll try it again. As Luger rallies, bizarrely, the ref is throwing shadow punches as Luger is. That looks so (laughs) weird. Stood in the opposite corner, kind of throwing punches with Luger. It's really odd. Luger hits a neckbreaker and the crowd come alive. Giant kicks out and ends up throwing Luger on top of the ref, who's now down. Luger hits a body slam. Nick Patrick's in position. Luger goes for the rack, but Patrick comes in the ring and kicks out his knee. Luger goes down, and here comes Sting. Luger racks Giant again. This time, Six comes out and spin kicks Luger. I can't help but feeling they've blown the whole Luger-Giant torture rack spot over the last few months. Sting is in the ring. He points the baseball bat in the direction of Patrick, who gets out of there pretty quickly. Sting has words with both Luger and Giant separately and then leaves. Luger has the bat, but Giant stands on it. Luger low blows Giant, then hits him three times with the bat. He crawls over, crawls over Giant. The ref comes to and counts the slow count for the three and the big, big pop. Shivoni says that's the first loss for the New World Order. Giant looks quite sombre as he looks up the ramp after the match as the announcers say, where are his friends? Del. They actually did a good job of sowing a seed, which is not something you can often say about WCW with the foul is Giant really wanting to be part of this? Is, is he looking sombre? Where are his friends? There's good elements in this. Um, I do kind of agree with you where they've pretty much, I don't know whether they've really ran their, ran their run with this Luger torture racks, but especially with the Giant. Um, but I mean, Luger the news is the, the best I've seen him in years. I mean, I think he's I don't know what it is with Lex. I've never been a, a huge fan of him. He's always kind of been like the nearly man, whether it's like the coronation at SummerSlam 93, etc. that we've kind of went over that ad nauseum. Um, but I mean, he's never really been the guy. I, I still wouldn't really say he could be the guy at the minute, but he's certainly the best I've seen him in at least kind of five years. Um, if he kind of had like the, the title run with Harley Race and things like that. Um, Something I did want to ask you on this, Bob. The full, the full Sting situation. Is Sting, I don't know whether I've made this up or it was something that we've spoke about in the show before, but recount my memory. Is Sting not an active competitor at the minute because contractually he's overblown his appearances? That was one thing that, uh, not, not completely. Um, that was one thing that, along with the movie, just helped, or him, him committing a film and movie, helped contribute towards the character they were going for. The guys right. that they had issues with dates war were, were, were Nash and Hall. Right. I think with Sting, it was more, we have overrun a bit with his dates, so let's just work towards this character where he can be off of house shows. I think it's more a case ah, of, right. 
cool. Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's that, I, was, I was still under the impression there wasn't that many house shows, so surely if he's still turning up on these shows, it still surely counts as a contractual appearance. That's what kind of was kind of confusing there me are, a wee bit. There but... are some house shows. I, I know they're trying to do more next year, but they're not doing it in the volume the WWF are. They're no, not I... doing three, three a weekend or anything mm. like that. Um, sure. I think it's just more he was over a bit and so this amongst other things the character helped and that it gave them a reason not to have to feature him at house shows nah that's fair enough because that was confusing me so surely if he's still turning up that just means he's not wrestling plus he's still chopping half figures his contract but never mind um, other than that kind of similar to what we always said in the last one there wasn't really much much to this I mean it's not really the best I mean I suppose what side of the fence you're on depends on this but it's not really the best sign when you're getting the biggest booze of the night directed at a, at a non-athletic talent um, again in Nick Patrick but other than that the, the two of these I mean Giant Giant could I mean you can see the way that they're, they're kind of trying to turn this now with him kind of leaving the, the NWO or certainly that's what's getting alluded to he could be one of the biggest faces in the in the wrestling business. I mean, you can just tell by looking at him. He's got that look. He's got that attraction that that Andre had. I do say Andre now, not his dad, because I believe genetically we've moved away from that. But um, he's got that. He's got that sum that you would pay to see, and I think he, he could really be sum if he did ever. If he did ever shun the black and white, which looks as if it's it's being sewed. Um but I mean apart from that that game there wasn't really much of a much of an outcome to this, there isn't really something for this feud that's not really been done before. But the the seeds getting sown by the giants probably the most interesting part. Um other than that, not really much else to say. Yeah, this this was one of those things where the, the the match quality wasn't great. Although, let's be honest, but for a match in Giant Aluga, this was actually decent, really right? quite good. Um, but it just it, it really the, the thing that saved it, but kind of tipped it over, was the fact that both guys are so over. I mean, Luger's so popular right now. Yeah. Um, it was kind of frustrating. They didn't pull the trigger on him last month, even more so than it already did. Um. But Luger's good, Giant's good, this is about as good a match you're going to get out of the Giant, particularly working with a guy like Luger. The story made sense. The finish was actually pretty well executed. For a lot of moving parts, they they got it just about right. Um, and for that point of view, yeah, thumbs up. I mean, the Giant stuff is a bit... You know, I, I've had my I had my beef before with that for a while, but I, I, I actually think the execution of the Giant stuff by and large, in, in, on this show and on the Nitro we'll talk about later, was pretty strong once they were in this position. Um, so that'll do that. We move straight into the main event, and here is Michael Buffer for the big introduction. It's Hollywood Hulk Hogan with Vincent Elizabeth and Ted DiBiase versus Roddy Piper, not for the WCW World Heavyweight title, and they're not really made that clear. Say what you want, but the crowd is real hot for this. As was pointed out on commentary and in a lot of people that reviewed it, there were quite clearly a lot of people wearing NWO shirts and cheering for Roddy Piper. We'll come for that in a bit. Uh, Hulk Hogan immediately retreats to the outside, and Randy Anderson is officiating. Hogan gets Piper in the corner and slaps him, then again in the opposite corner. Piper looks unfazed. Piper unloads and Hogan ends up retreating to the outside. Hogan regains control, though if I was being kind, I'd call his offence sloppy. Piper isn't much better. Piper runs him over with a right and Hogan retreats to talk to DBRC again. 
Piper locks in a chin lock. Hogan hits a belly to back, but Piper keeps it held in place. Hogan's offense is basically rakes and strikes. Hogan retreats up the aisle and Piper finally follows him. Hogan takes a couple of shots on the guardrail. Piper grabs a belt and starts whipping Hogan with it. He then chokes him with it. Hogan starts going for Piper's hip, so we get a couple of close-ups of Piper's arse. Hogan follows it with an abdominal stretch. Piper just about manages a suplex. The crowd have flattened out a fair bit, although I think it's fair to say they're waiting. Hogan misses a big boot. Piper gets up hopping around, and here comes the Giant. Giant chokes Piper, then lifts him up for a choke slam. We get an awkward sequence where, basically, the bit they're going to do, which is the bit they do, is that Giant's meant to pick up Piper for the choke slam. Piper's meant to kick off of Hogan, knocking Hogan down, and then consequently using the momentum to slip out of the hole. Problem was that at this very moment, someone tried to climb to the ring, a fan. Uh, and so Hogan, as he is, is, is entitled to do, and the referee, went to deal with the fan. So there's quite odd moment where Giant's just holding Piper in the air, looking around, waiting. Hogan deals with the fan, then has to run back into position, and then Piper can finally kick off of him. So the attempt was quite good, but it did look a bit shit. Uh, anyway, um, uh, we get an awkward sequence. Piper kicks off of Hogan and then bites Giant on the nose. Piper goes for a sleeper hold on Hogan, who falls. The ref raises Hogan's hand three times. The third time it goes down, almost to the shock of everyone, the ref, with a surprise or conflict on his face, calls to the bell, and it's all over. Except it isn't. The matches, but out come the outsiders. Piper fights them off. Giant watches on, but doesn't seem to be attacking anyone. Hogan chases after the Giant as he walks off. They go through the curtain, but Giant comes back out and wants to know where Hogan and the outsiders were earlier. Dale, thoughts on all of this? That's a very open question, Bob. Um, it did have a big match feel, which I always like. It, it's good to get Buffer out. I mean, he is pretty useless these days, but um, it, it does add to the feel of the match. It was pretty slow. Um, so, I mean, I think you would expect that. I mean, Hogan does seem to have embraced this bad guy persona that he's got, so that makes sense with having a slower pace. The, the biggest thing I'd like to ask, I mean, I don't think I should, but I'm I'm genuinely intrigued over the last couple of months how much the as much as the NWO is getting over in certain circles in the wrong way with getting cheers and buying t shirts and it's good to see the investment of fans can still happen in wrestling in ninety six because it's been a while for you can hear the old stories of a kind of wrestling more so manager, like the, the one that always pops out in my head is Jimmy Carnett, where kind of fans like, try to stab you and people try to kind of smuggle in screwdrivers and boots and try to kind of catch them in the way out of the arenas and things. You don't really get that anymore for the, the cup and started to kind of get tweaked back a wee bit. But I do like that. The, the one thing that, God love him, it, it did just stand out like a sore thumb. Who's the greenest man in this, in this ring? And it was Big Giant, where it's like, what do I do? What do, I, what do I keep him up here? What do I do? And God love him, he tried. And I, I thought they'd done a decent job considering it. It did look a bit daft in retrospect, but these kind of things can't really be accounted for. Um, it, it is a bit of a waste, firstly, that they did make him join the NWO, but the fact that they're getting him out and they can see that that makes sense is good. I'm very, very surprised that the at the end and um, how Hogan, when you hear about his contract and his stipulations and his 
kind of creative control and things that's been built into this mega millions contract that he would let that happen. It makes sense more as you'll come on in a bit when we talk about the in detail the the follow up the next night. But that was fair play to him. Um, but I mean, I thought they they done well. I mean, did it live up to this match of the century billing? No, but. Could it? Probably not. Um, Piper noticeably didn't look as good as he did a couple of years ago, but that's natural. But the the biggest kind of critique I've really got to WCW when it comes to matches like this is what's the follow-up, what's next? And they've done that. This time they've got the giant stuff in the can. They've got the, the story that's been told with him. They've actually consistently followed up on that. I thought it, it did what it had to do. They, they could have sold it more as a non-title, but then you don't want to take away the drama because that crowd was fucking mad for this. And that probably would have took away for it. Um, but I mean, overall, I thought it was a pretty decent end. Yeah. Um, the, the match in itself, if you want to look at the match, was pretty dreadful. Um, not that you'd expect much more from Piper and Hogan, but, you know, Piper really is done now as an in-ring act. Like they're really, they're not, that, not that he was ever the great wrestler, um, but as an in-ring act now, he's, you know, pretty much, you know, he's over the hill, down the other side. Hogan's not that much further behind either, it should be said. Um, but the thing that saves this match, just, you know, I, I kind of said it earlier on, the crowd really were invested in the match. Let's say what you want about everything else. Like, Piper was over, the NWO were over, the match was over, you've got that weird dichotomy of everyone's in NWO shirts, but they're all cheering on Piper, which we'll discuss mm-hmm. in a sec. Um, but there was enough going on where it just about worked. Um, the match shouldn't have been any longer than it was. I don't think they could have done it for two or three more minutes the fuck up at the end you know there's nothing you can do about it hogan's well within his right to go and deal with the fan just as it was a shame that you know pipe was already in position they kind of hold on to that but it didn't really matter and yeah it, it was a it was a clean win i mean let's let's call it for what it was so the whole point was was that giant's interference wasn't good enough and that whole story um my biggest problem was what followed the next night. I think this in itself was a big surprise, but I guess the the other question is: is wouldn't Lex Luger have been better in this position? Like, wouldn't 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 Lex Luger winning the title in this spot with the rack cleanly have been way better than this? I don't know. Um, personally, I think this. I think that's worked, but your argument, the, the strongest part of that is would you rather put a bad guy, Hogan, who admittedly is near the end of his career than the start, let us hope and pray. What, what do you do with Audi Piper? After that, Hogan's getting beat half Piper in the non-title, so the next logical step is you have a title match, but you've just had your biggest show of the year. So when does that happen? If that happens, um, if it was Luger, I don't like the end of Hogan as much, where it's as clean as that was, and you could probably even argue it's a cleaner finish than a one, two, three, because he passed it. It was, it was literally, he could do no more. At the end of that, would I like the idea of an old Ultimate Fighting Championship aside? 
Extreme Championship Wrestling aside, you don't really see a tap-out submission. The verbal submission would maybe get a bit more credence with Hogan, where it's like, it, I think the, the physical act that a hand slap and flesh is an admission of defeat would pretty much kill Hogan. I think um, I, I, I was very surprised the fact that even let the end happen the way it did, but you've got to think that he must have known what was coming the next night that he would do that. Um, but I mean, I think does Luger carry the same build going into this? No, I don't think so. I think they've done. I think I think Luger was better in the spot that he was in personally. Yeah, um, I can't necessarily disagree with that. I agree the match in itself probably is as bad. I'm just thinking about, you know, where Piper on the next night on Nitro says, you know, that's to be done in the ring. Now, it probably isn't. Um, but would it not have been better to have given, you know, well, would it not have been better to have given Luger the rub last month as well? Okay. Totally, yeah. I, I don't know that Luger doesn't come through everything last month and then we had the thing that I kind of suggested last month where Luger says, Piper's hurt, I'm going to take his place and I'm going for the championship. I don't know whether four months of TV, and that's not just over the top in terms of just a massive deal. Um, and then, you know, everything else really. But yeah, um, the, it, the, the, the main event was fine. It was presented really well. The finish was quite a nice surprise. The match wasn't good, but the overness of everything around it meant that that didn't really matter. Um, and we came to the end of it, and you're like, okay, this is different. I wasn't expecting this. Um, and then we come to what happens in a minute, but we will obviously got some admin to do first. Tell your overall thoughts on the show on a score running out of 10. Um, I pretty much said at the start, it was, it was really just a, a 1996 WCW pay-per-view. Um, I... I I feel a bit harsh getting out of five, but at the same time, you could probably argue I'm a bit generous getting out of five. I think five's the fairest. Um, given that, it was the first match, I thought it was certainly the match of the night. There was some bits in the middle where the outsiders in the faces of fear was surprisingly decent. Benoit, I loved the bits. Liger Mysterio was really good. But then for everything that you've got with that, there's the kind of, there's just a non-entity of what kind of wrestling women are these days when you don't really Kind of, like, you know, against Medusa is pretty much a Wonder Blaze versus Bill Nicano in WWF, but it's like there are only so many times you can do that. Um, you've then got just the, the kind of non, the non consequence the kind of matches that it doesn't really mean anything. I, I think the, the fairest way to do it is 5 out of 10 for me, Bob. Well, that's interesting. I thought this was a bit better than that. Um, you know, to an extent, you criticise stuff, you know, well, it was still way better than some of the stuff we were getting a couple of years ago. Uh, oh, it, was a hot, it was a hot crowd. There was a really, really good opening match on this show, it should be said. Uh, the action holds up for the first two hours, by and large. And then it falls down a bit, but it's fell down a lot worse uh, in other in other shows we've seen this year. Um, yeah, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Enough going on for me where this was a good show, a good watchable three hours of wrestling um and again I, I think it kind of comes down to they build the main event so hard and the main event just about delivered um and you know this show could have been a four or a five had the main event had tanked um and you know somewhat fortuitously given that the action wasn't great he didn't 
Um, so yeah, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Ladies and gentlemen, Nitro is on the air, and you are looking outside of the Civic Coliseum in Knoxville, Tennessee. The site of Nitro, the NWO, has arrived. U.S. champion, tag team champions, world heavyweight Hollywood champion, sweet Eric Bischoff, master of the universe, trillionaire Ted. We are on a roll, man. Liz looking sweet. Good, Liz. Bubbling up, bubbling up with suckers. I'm talking about WCW and the four-horned, crippled, red-headed stepchild. Former Roddy, Roddy Piper. I say, let's go in and devastate him some more. Man, what's your game last night? Oh, this isn't enough? (laughs) So much fun. Stronger than ever, man. We're stronger than ever. Good. Everybody, big win last night. NWO world title. U.S. title. What's left? We got it all. We got it all, man. Where are we going? To the top. To the very top. I like it, man. NWO belt. Firmly intact. Hollywood at the helm. You're talking about the NWO belt. Right? You see this right here on the belt? Right there, boss? Oh, let me you stop you that? right now. Let me stop you right now. We're all a family. We're all blood. We're all brothers and sister. The thing is, when you mess with Hollywood, you don't drop the ball. The thing is, though, we're blood. We're all blood. And even though you dropped the ball, we proved the point to the whole world that even if we stutter step a little bit, we're so powerful because of the blood, the bond. They can't stop us. Okay, okay, just say for harmonious sake, okay, I dropped the ball. You did. That's fine. I dropped the point. Here's the point. Here's the point I want to make. You told me that if I won World War III, I went through 60 Sweet. Athletes. Sweet, big Top go. athletes Great in the job. world. And a fine job you did. Yeah. For one thing, yeah. I want a shot at the NWO World Heavyweight Championship. You got it, you I got want it. the gold. You got it. You got it. Here's it's the deal. all in the family. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, Quiet, stop. Man. It's all in the family. Let me explain it to you. You guys know the deal. We know. You know the deal. Know. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I told you. Everything I told you is true. You go out and devastate 60 men with the help of the brothers. It's all in the family. Yes. And then... You get your title shot. It's all the truth. But the thing is, the title shot is a buy. That means we got more time to go to LA and party, more time to make nice. more deals. Another movie. More time to more movies. And the deal is, you're not exactly. the enemy. I love you, man. Don't worry. You're not the enemy. You bought us some time. Your title shot is a buy for us. We're not fighting over the same. And as long as the belt stays in the family, we're right. cool. Right. Take care of business. We're wrong. Take care of business. I can't have a chance. To be the lead dog. Is this what you're telling me? Yeah, Boy, pretty much. Cool down, cool pretty down, much, cool right? down, cool down, man. You That's know, you're missing the point. Team, Here's the deal. I told you, as long as the belt is within the NWO family, everything's cool. As long as the belt's on me. You understand Look, man, that? You he, understand that? You I'm Hollywood. He's going to run with it, man. Here's you the fumble. deal. We'll block. Here's the, block. the deal. Well, hold on, big man. Here's the deal. You stutter step. You fumble. You drop the ball. Don't make the mistake. But dropping the ball again. No. Don't I embarrass me again. You hey, drop the hey, ball. Get that camera out. Get that. Get that out of here. Get it out of here. Enough. We open Nitro on December 30th in the back lot with the arrival of the NWO in a black stretch limo, bigging up their success. 
But a somber looking giant tells Hogan he wants his title shot for winning World War 3. Tony and Larry reiterate that Piper actually won last night and we open with the amazing French Canadians and the public enemy. Piper still gets his match by match props and the French Canadians win. Juice and Liger and Ultimo Dragon get five minutes. Dragon winning with a bridging Tiger suplex. Tony builds anticipation for tonight's midget match. Right after reminding us it's actually 1997 in a couple of days. Conan's out for a strap match with Big Bubba, but there's no Rogers. Out comes an NWO shirted Wall Street to take his place, jumping Conan from behind to start. In a never-before-seen strap match finish, Wall Street taps each corner. Conan taps them immediately after without him realising, and then Conan reaches the last turnbuckle to win. Bischoff and Hogan talk about beating Piper last night. Okay, They tease a minute's silence a hot roll, but decide to pose off instead. Tony and Larry hint so they'll show footage of Hogan losing. Bischoff takes it and Larry asks if they don't have a backup on Betamax. Or maybe a recording on gramophone, eh Larry? Laughably they promote the encore presentation after all of that because as I say, they've only got one tape. Hugh Morris and Kanzuki Sasaki have a quick hoss fight. Morris wins with the moonsault, or he does until Sonny Ono comes out to attack him with his Japanese flag for a DQ. Harlem Heat beat the face of fear. Dallas Page carries on his willy won't he join the NWO shtick. Tony tells us Piper is in the building. Well, we hadn't heard about him in nearly half an hour. Glacier then gets a quick win over Disco Inferno with a super kick. Next we get Benoit and Jericho. Jericho starts fast while taking a stun gun. Benoit slaps him about and plays his power game. They swap some knife edge chops. Jericho misses a springboard moonsault from the middle rope. And Benoit hits a belly to back from the top rope to get the win. Deborah and Woman have some quick digs with each other with Gene. Again, Flair gets his segment from the toilet and bails it out. The midget match is short as you'd expect. One of them is easily bigger than Mysterio. Similar to 1994 when Wells collide, tags don't really matter and Octagon Cito and Mascarita Sagrada win. Talking of Mysterio, he faces Di Malenko. Malenko slows Ray down to his pace and the crowd's lose interest. Some near fall exchanges get them back, but a time limit draw sucks any of the energy generated back out. Lou gets a win over Greg Valentine with a torture rack, and we get the arrival of Roddy Piper. He thanks the fans for what Hogan comes out to bemoan them. As Piper strips for another rematch, the NWO jump him. The ring gets trashed, and Giant looks on. He refuses to choke slam Piper. Hogan tells him he's stuck, struck out, but Dryan grabs him by the throat and demands his title shot from Hogan before Hollywood unleashes the NWO on him and we see Piper ambulanced out. I heard Eric Bischoff and Hogan. Uh, I, I think the WCW has set a new precedence. There is life on Mars because that's where they must have been last night because where I was, Hogan was in a sleeper gone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I am proud that history reads, I am the icon. And I am proud, I am proud that for the last 20th century in my sport, I have been the Braveheart. I've been wearing this doggone thing since I've been five. You either got to be tough or stupid. And it's like this. I want to, you know, folks, that was my last fight, man. I'm getting too old for this. 
No oh, way to go man. out. I want to tell you something, though. It was very important to me to have this fight not only for my pride. Didn't you know this was going to happen? Bischoff carrying the belt for Hogan. And listen to the chant of Ronnie. Hey, it ain't going down that way. You're a liar, Piper. Tell him how I dogged you, man. How you dogged me? The only way I've seen you be a dog is when you wee-wee on the fire hydrant. Brother, I am the icon. It is history. You gotta smell it, eat it, and poop it. No fear. You know something, man? You're a lucky, lucky person. Because shut up. Shut up. You know something? These people are planning your destiny if they don't shut their mouths. But I'm going to tell you one thing. You guys are missing it. Why don't you tell your people to shut up? I got something real important to tell you. Ho, ho, ho. You know what, folks? Every dog has his day. Let's hear some orf, orf. Come on, Lassie, talk. No, you don't understand. Brother, you got something to say? Say it, damn it. You better shut him up. This is about your family, boy. Uh-oh. The only reason, after I beat your brains out, that I didn't end it for good, was your son begged me. Take it easy on Pops. That, that he shouldn't have said. Then let's do it one more time. Oh, yes, right. Here we go. And we come back into, or out of the TV, uh, the final TV of the year, actually, uh, for the discussion about the giant Hogan and Piper stuff uh, on Nitro. Um, Dale, Nitro opens up cold uh, on the final show of the year, and we, we see the NWO guys getting out of the limo. And Hulk Hogan's carrying his WCW title, and I say that probably shocked a few people. Uh, you know, that, I, yeah, they, they didn't overtly say that enough. I can't imagine there wasn't, you know, fifteen, twenty percent of the people watching the stuff that didn't think that was a, a, a title victory. Mm-hmm. And Hogan just starts acting like nothing's happened. Now I know there's something to that, in that it's like you know delusional heel. There's something to that heel that doesn't want to acknowledge his failings or that kind of thing. But this was the match of the century. So yeah. they build it. The match of the century. The buy rate's going to prove otherwise. You know, I, I don't think it's... It might even be the most bought pay-per-view of the month if the... Um, or, or the quarter... And certainly, it certainly ain't going to do Tyson Holyfield numbers. Let's say that. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't even the most bought wrestling pay-per-view of the year. Um, and it's not... Theoretically impossible that USC could have outdrawn it at some point this year either. So let's overlook all of that. The match of the century, as you're billing it, and the story that you, the bits you can control, 
uh, admittedly, in a match that nobody ever really put anything on, including the title. But I, I would have had Hogan on the show. If the match was that big, losing, losing cleanly should have had consequences. And I don't think it's acceptable from a storyline standpoint just to say, ah, oh, we'll just have them go out there and pretend it didn't happen. Dell, that's a, that's a really big pothole. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know in retrospect whether I've maybe even marked down Starcade as part of that. I reckon if you'd maybe asked me at kind of 10 or 2 what I thought of Starcade, probably would have been a bit higher. Had I not seen the the full and nitro before we do this, we do this show. Um, again, the, the delusional heel idea that you bring up, totally agree with that. That that plays a part, but when it comes up in the back, as you say, that possibly the highest grossing pay per view that the company will have this year when we see what the numbers are next month. The match of the century idea, frankly, piss on an audience the next night. It doesn't really play into a what a heel does, it just kind of, well, what's the point? Why should I, this NWO pay-per-view is apparently coming up next year, why should I spend money on that? Why should I, why should I invest when something doesn't really matter? The, the reason I think I put that show in a bit further than you is, well, if they don't care, why should I care? And that's a very almost cancerous idea to put in the minds of your audience when if they don't care they clearly do because look at the ratings every week and look at the merchandise sales when god I can't even remember a a nationally sellable t-shirt before the NWO god knows there's been some glorious horseman t-shirts in the last couple of years but I can't I can't remember seeing kind of crowd shots crowd shots of pay-per-views or nitros with with masses of company ordered t-shirts like I've seen with NWO and why should they can I invest further in that when when it clearly doesn't matter um, it's just it's just really strange for, for what we've seen that's pretty fresh with WCW this I've never really seen before but I don't know whether I really should be seeing it yeah it's it's the age-old boy who cry wolf thing. Like you might get away with it this time, but you start educating your audience that you're going to build up a big match. So I think big happens in the match. In this case, just pipe of winning, and then they're going to blow it off like nothing ever happened. I know some of that's heel heat, but a lot of that isn't. Like a, a, a disproportionately large amount of that is just ugh. Was it all worth it? You know, what's the point? What's the con? What's the point? I mean, match of the century, the result doesn't matter. And it's almost like, you know, when, when Bischoff and Hogan go out and cut that promo, someone's got to hold them account. Like, you can't just, you know, and I know the announcers are doing that to a point, but it's like, no, everyone should be doing that. You know, people should be walking out. Piper should have, like, you know, I suppose there was a theory that Piper wasn't in the building at the time, theory. I suppose that, that, that was an interesting point. That's a, a thing they often use. And then the whole bullshit thing of, oh, Eric Bischoff's taking the tape away. Oh, we can't show it. What a shit that is. The, the, the wand, the biggest show ever. <laughs> the match of the decade, you've got one fucking Nobody's tape. got it. Nobody's got it. Nobody's got it. But we've got, we've got stills. At least we've got stills. It's- like the Roswell tape man it doesn't exist it's away 
And it's on more the point. Well, like, you know, you don't need the tape to say it's bollocks. Like, you know, if it was the match of the century, in theory, everyone was watching, right? Right, in theory, in theory. Um, But, yeah, it's just an attention to detail thing. And it's like, I know their heels. I know their job is to do stuff that doesn't make sense coherently. But it's their job to do stuff that doesn't make sense in a way that makes sense in a way that fits their character and builds heat and builds stuff going forward. This didn't do that. No. You kind of watch this, you just went, oh, it doesn't matter. And then you're a bit flat. And then we come to, we'll come to the giant thing in a minute. We'll, 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 we'll segue from one to the other, I suppose. Um, but Piper comes out at the end. And to an extent, Piper did call him out on the nonsense. So that's fair enough, right? That was that was part of the job done. Um, and then Piper, at one point, basically says, I'm retiring, which, again, I suppose is fair enough. Um, and then we get the angle that we do. Another thing we should say, we talk, we talk about this at the top of the show. Um, NWO right now are getting pelted with shit. I mean, I think Bischoff's embracing it. But they walk out, and they're just getting flanked by crap, by water, by soda, by popcorn, some decent arms in WCW's crowd. But that all happens, and then we get another predictable beatdown. Dale, what was your, your, your thoughts on all of that before we get into the giant stuff? Um, noticeably for me, the, the best bit of this angle, kind of confusingly, as you mentioned in the Starcade show, when it's like they're wearing the NWO shirts with they're cheering for Piper, it's like you, you see the opening of this show with Hogan and Bischoff and it doesn't make sense, but then you see it at the end when they're coming out and they are getting pelted and the, one of the, the images in 96 for me is that, that shot to Bischoff. I don't know whether it was a beer or a soda or a water or what it was, but he was soaking. And, um, it's kind of the difference between fuck off heat because they hate you and just, Fuck you. <laughs> Why should I care? It's the, it's the difference between a, a, an angle really being hot and just not, really. Um, but I mean, I, I, there's bits here that you like, there's bits that you don't like. The, the bit with Hogan turning in July, amazing. But then tell me that in July, six months later, IRS is going to be fucking walking out in an NWO shirt and it's like, what's the point? And it, they need to make sure it's like the old happy days where you see Fonzie jumping the shark and it's like, that's it, that's it, done, pack up, go home. You, you need to make sure that they're not going to err on that side of it too much because they've got something special here. The ratings tell you that every every week. And it's... I think we'll, we'll probably save this with coming on to the Giant because that's one of the... That's one of the phoenixes that's come out of the ashes of this is for every bad bit there's something good that's gonna happen. And hopefully that's what it will be. So yeah, the other half of this that we sort of alluded to and sort of Jim, that cold open at the start where Hogan came out and pretended the world was all alright. The one bit of his world that wasn't all alright was the fact that Giant was stood there looking a bit miffed, um and Hogan basically brought it forward to camera. And Giant was pissed off that, you know, the NWO didn't have his back with his match against Luger. And he said, I want my title shot. And so they basically said, we'll deal with this later, et cetera, et cetera. And DBRC, DBRC ran the camera off before they could go any further with it. Fast forward to the end of the show. We get the, the angle with Piper and Hogan and Bischoff and all of that. And they start beating down on Piper. And a lot of NWO guys come out, including the Giant. Giant gets a hold of Piper, but then just lays Piper down on the floor. He then gets a hold of Hogan and says, Hogan, I want my title shot. Um, 
eventually, uh, you know, he lets Hogan go. As Hogan promises title shot, that's going to be NWO sold out next month, which kind of makes sense if you're going to do a, an NWO theme pay per view. Of the things you could do, the main event of the NWO leader against the guy you just kicked out is quite strong. Fair enough. Um, but Dale, the bigger question is, is this giant thing as a whole, I mean, I, I've spoken out before at how bad a move it was to get him out, or sorry, put him in there get in the that. first place. Um, as for getting him out now, I mean, I don't, you know, I'd, is it fair to say a net positive, but with some negatives? I think it depends how they tell it. I mean, it's... It's similar to the, I always talk about this, but I think it's such a good idea, Jeff Parker's when Medusa starting this, kind of sowing the seeds for this happening. There's a story that you can tell here where everybody in the NWO is an invading force, but you try to tell me that, I don't know, Napoleon could get into Belgium and he's seen a crack troop and they didn't want to bring them aboard. You can have an invading force that takes what's in that that enemy territory and make them part of your army, which they did with the giant. But then there's a story you can tell in the back of that and said, nah, you're just not good enough. You're not as good as us. We are stronger than you and that's the story. But do I think they're going to tell that? No, I don't. Um, it's, it's an easy enough story to take. Nash is the... Nash is the, the kind of... The second guy come in. Hall was the first guy. They're strong. They've came fair. Alanda Far Hogan was the biggest part of that puzzle. Now it's starting to get what I've done, but you can tell the story about the giant was never really part of that crowd. They took a punt on a minute, kinda then excuses the the bad booking you bring in giant and in the first place that makes sense. But I, I just don't see them going that going that way. Um I think that would be the easiest way to tell it. I think it would be the best way to tell it. The, the important thing is the get giant out now while he's, he's starting to get that kind of reaction. You can see why he would. Cause he's kind of got, for everything that Andre had with his size and the special attraction and blah, blah, blah. Giants get something more. I mean, he's got used in his side. He's no in front of a national audience when he's past his peak, like Andre was. He's no, in a position where he can't be athletic, like Andre was, the giant has got everything he's taken, even in that first NWO that we got a couple of months ago. For me, the highlight of that was giant. He can be funny. He's a big, funny guy. You don't want to turn him into a joke. You don't want him to turn him into a, a kind of big monster in six months down the line. He's, I don't know, he's opening up, getting beat with Rey Mysterio or something. But he's got value as, as a, is a respectable foe to a very, very strong force. And you need that. Um, I just hope they do it right. Yeah. Um, for for a company that hasn't been very good on the small print in the last few months, this is an angle they really got to get the small print right on. Um, because as much as... Let me think about this. As much as... Giant is a bit of a mistake in the NWO. He is an asset in the NWO, and he is a positive in the NWO while he was in there. It's kind of why I was saying last month. Honestly, I think now he's in there. The safest thing to do is just to keep him there, in that he has strength there. You're going to turn him and take him out, 
there's a lot further to fall. He's on his own a lot more. He's, you know, you're asking to cut a lot of promos, and he can do it. His promos have come on a long way. Um, but you're just asking, you know, if you kept Giant out of it, you could have launched him as this big baby face in the latter half of this year. Once you put him in and then you take him out, it feels like now rather than being on the run, being having a long run at it, he's now kind of been let out the aircraft and now it's like, okay, see when the parachute pulls up and we'll see what happens. It feels like there's a long way to fall right now. Um, and it feels like if this angle's done badly, you just might end up with a giant character that's just not that over. And that's a big problem. That being said, they've got out of, they've got a match next month, which, you know, should work. Um, but it's just like, well, say Giant beats Hogan, or well, no, say Hogan beats Giant, and he probably will. I mean, the, 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 the offshoot of Piper beating Hogan is that Piper's gonna face Hogan for the title. That's the logical next step. But again, you kinda got this title in limbo while Piper's not really doing anything. Giant can face him next month and lose. Then what? Then where do you go from there? That's the difficult thing, Dell. That's that's the question I'm asking is mm-hmm. as much as Giant on the outside feels stronger than Giant on the inside, it kind of feels like there's a lot more risk involved the way they've done it. Pretty much. Um they've they've kinda set themselves up for a fall really in how they've done it, because I mean as much as I said earlier on where it's maybe the outsiders or Hogan that's kind of took this chance of the giant and then it didn't work out they could tell that story another one they could tell is that the that the giant was I don't know a fucking secret undercover agent for WCW I mean there's a lot of different ways that you could go about this but they've never really they've laid the groundwork for him leaving but they've never really worked in his time there it's just been as he's leaving oh by the way this is going to happen wink wink and it's like why why what what acts has he got to grind apart from being overlooked as a as a competitor but then how do you do that when when your your general is your champion it's like it's never going to happen and it's I don't really know how they can how they can counteract what they've done already in the back yet, and I don't really understand what the build is either, because where does this build to? I mean, you you build to these matches of the century, and you build to these kind of changing of the guards with titles, and the downfall touch with the NWO at some fucking point when people can actually stand up to them. Is it build finish? Because we've just had Starcade. This isn't going to go on for another year. No, I mean, it's like, when, when do you do this? And I don't really see when the natural build is. I mean, there is the argument, as you said, about the, the front runner of the NWO going up against the, the guy that's just been ousted. That makes sense for an NW, especially if they're doing it as an NWO versus WCW pay-per-view. That makes perfect sense. But, would you know, you'd surely want to make sure you've got kind of pay-per-view vies in the, in the bag. Kind of doing that, and I, I, I don't know. There's just at the minute, there's more questions than answers. I would say. And that will wrap up this month's show in WCW for the year. Dell, thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Bob. It's good to have you back, Dell. You can be found on Twitter. Yep, on Twitter, Dell underscore Muir. Not often I'm on it, but please do say hello if you follow.
if you're on there. Anyway, uh, yeah, patron dot com forward slash wrestling 20 rs we are on there now five bucks a month if we bring you listening pleasure every month and you'd like to say thank you you can do that and in return we'll give you where possible early access to some of the shows that get edited before they go out on general release uh find out more about that at patreon.com forward slash wrestling 20 rs link on the website and in the podcast description uh also where are we yes uh six volumes for this month volume two wwf volume three wecw volume four ufc uh volume five the end of year review and volume six the all important end of year awards uh, that'll just about do that you can find most of the info you need on the website I've been Bobby Bamber you can find me on Twitter at Bobby Bamber uh, and that'll do that um, so until next time I've been Bob Bamber this has been volume 1 of 6 of the 19, December 1996 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast and until next time goodbye <laughs>